Welcome to Cool Girls Look at Explosions. This is an action movie podcast. My name is Kelly. And hi, I'm Megan. And today, we're not only covering the amazing 1991 film Point Break, directed by Catherine Bigelow, but we also have my fiancé Colin on the pod. What's up? The coolest girl in all the land (laughs) is joining us. And I think an important question to ask our first guest ever on this pod is, if there was an explosion, would you look at it or would you look away? I mean, every time I've been around any sort of fire uh, of any kind, I generally get pretty entranced by it. So if anything, I would probably be not only staring at the fire at the explosion, but probably also way too close to it. That's why we get along so well, because I am a dumpster fire, so Colin was immediately attracted no. to me. <laughs> That's a bingo. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so Colin's here because this is one of my favorite films. He's never seen it before, and I really wanted to get his opinion on it. So I was like, whatever, just come on the podcast. Talk all about it. And here I am. That's about it. So I will say that when pitching this movie, I felt like you gave me the impression that it was a bad movie, that it was very niche of you to like, and like, it was very unique and you had this crazy perspective, but of all the reading I've done online and checking different sites for ratings, I feel like this is a very beloved film. Yeah, it's kind of a cult classic. I... I don't know why I was like, wait, maybe people think that I ironically love this movie, which is not how it is. I unironically love this movie. We'll get into all of the reasons why. But yeah, I think when it came out, it wasn't super popular. I think it was just kind of like, oh, this is another action movie. But I think now critical reception has kind of changed a bit and people are a lot higher on the movie. Yeah, I felt like it was a lot better than I thought. I think that that's because I had kind of downplayed it in my mind, but I really enjoyed the film. Um, I was really shocked. I think going back and watching these action movies, I'm always surprised by how many people die. Like, I feel like I'm just <laughs> stunned when there's a death of, like, anyone that I've, like, met in the film or has had any lines. I'm just like, what do you mean they died? And so I, I think I was more surprised than I thought I'd be. But this has happened in a few movies that we've watched. Colin, did you like the movie? I mean, yeah, I enjoyed it. Also, like, related to what you just said about people dying. I mean, I wasn't surprised by anyone dying in this movie, I don't think. Um, But recently, and this is completely unrelated to this movie at all, but I started re-watching Smallville, and I did not remember how many people actually die in that TV show, but it's, like, one, at least one every, like, two episodes which, considering most of the people get saved by Clark Kent, is a high death rate uh, for, like, a teen drama, uh, especially from the early 2000s. Now, with all this, like, Riverdale bullshit, they're, you know, trying to be edgy and stuff. But back in the day, I feel like it was more special. 
I've never seen that TV show. Are you recommending it? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how much of it for me is nostalgia. Okay. Um, but also, I love it. It's cheesy, but it's Superman. Um, Superman in high school. What's not to like? Now, not to get too off base immediately, but I did see a tweet about how there's an alien plot on Riverdale, and I'm not currently watching Riverdale, but <laughs> can you confirm or deny this? No, I don't actually watch <laughs> Riverdale. That was just a cheap shot that I was taking. Because I would be um, shocked if aliens got involved, but I guess that's just something we're always going to have to wonder. I think Riverdale kind of went that direction, though. I think they had a lot of, like, weird stuff going on. They had, like, the Goblin King at one point. Like, they have a lot of, I don't know. I don't know what the writers are doing with Riverdale, but they're trying some stuff. Well, so, I mean, the show is the characters from Archie Comics, but that's where the Archie Comics connection ends. Uh, Like, the very first season is, like, a murder mystery. Like, people die, and they're, like, trying to figure it out. Also, Archie's, like, a hot person and Jughead's a stud. Like, that's not who Archie and Jughead are. I mean, Archie has two women fighting over him the whole time. Yeah, but he's supposed to be, like, an awkward, like, nerdy guy. What's the... I'd like to know the difference between a hot person and a stud, please. (laughs) Please elaborate on that. And also an awkward person, because they are all the same to me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. As I said, I don't actually really watch Riverdale. I'm just absorbing it because of... You know, it's in the zeitgeist. You just hear things about it. I'm imagining a Venn diagram where it's hot person, stud, and magician. Or sorry, hot person, stud, and awkward person, and magician's right in the middle. (laughs) That is my dream, man. Nathan Nathan Fielder as a magician. Right right there. I did write a speech in high school. They just said, like, pick any topic. Because the point is, like, can you say a speech and not, like, what like a deep dive on the topic you're doing. And I did argue that Archie should pick Veronica and not Betty. Um, now well, it's a hot take. It's not necessarily my opinion, but, <laughs> but after I came up with my argument, I now think it's sound throughout like all the comics Archie shows like no strengths in school, no, no real career path prospects. And it's like, maybe you should just be an at-home husband to the rich Veronica, you know? <laughs> so that was, that's my main point. I mean, that's the House fair. husband. Yeah, house husband. Because, you know, her family's got a lot going on. And, you know, Betty needs to find herself a real man, so. so this is an Archie Comics podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. You thought you were here for Point Break, but we're talking about CW shows and high school apparently i'm like you can you can cut this out i figure but this is (laughs) genuinely a conversation i wanted to have (laughs) so point break this movie is directed by Catherine bigelow who in my opinion is that bitch i'm like obsessed with Catherine bigelow i love her so much um this was kind of right after she had directed another actiony movie called blue steel that didn't do so well she came back and made Point Break because Blue Steel was like a female-focused action movie starring, I believe, Jamie Lee Curtis. And then when that didn't get very good reviews and make a lot of money, she was like, fine, I'm just going to make a dude action movie then. And thus Point Break happened. The dudiest dude movie to ever dude. Surfers. 
cops bank robbers i think that's the whole thing Just keanu reeves period yeah there's just so much here um do you want to try and figure out what movie this is the exact same plot of oh i'm I'm not going to be able to do that because it's going to be some other action movie that i've never seen unless it's (laughs) one that we literally talked about and i just didn't realize that they're the same film it's not one that we've covered but this movie is pretty much beat for beat the fast and the furious (laughs) i have never seen the fast and the furious Fast and the Furious is beat for beat this movie, yes. first of all. And second, I mean, like, it is it is the same plot, just with car, race cars instead of surfing. Um, but I feel like that's not an uncommon thing to happen. Uh, I'm blanking on any potential alternatives, but also, like, I mean, it, it happens. People, people have just been using the same ideas forever why when a new idea comes up it's so special i feel like i would prefer this plot with race car drivers (laughs) (laughs) what and i'm probably only saying that because today i watched the first episode of season three of the f1 series on netflix so i'm just like i'm just like a nascar expert right now you know but i also think it might be easier for there to be like more conversations when they're out in the ocean it's like difficult for them to talk offhand and you'll probably disagree i feel like they focused way too much on the surfing thing (laughs) no way like they at the very end they were like oh these guys are gonna go rob a bank and but they spent like an hour being like i am one with the waves i am surfing and it's like (laughs) but that's not that's not the point of the movie i don't know i felt like if they had transitioned some of that being one with the sea time into look at us maybe successfully rob a bank and scheme about it first because apparently they did this very successfully and we saw clips of it but when they actually went to it it went very poorly and i wish they had planned a little bit more but we'll get there we'll get there i'm just saying we went to la all of us here on this podcast and i was the only one who took surfing lessons so maybe I just, like, get being one with the waves more than you guys do. I'm offended because that was very expensive. And I'm being, I mean, I'm being put down for my monetary value. If it was cheap, I would have gone. I will say, like, my one qualm with this movie is that, like, wow, the, like, namaste like yoga guru vibes of surfer boy really does not jive with his alter ego that's the point that's (laughs) the point of his character we're gonna get to this he's a great character study that's the whole point he's just like a mishmash of like what he thinks like buddhism is basically i mean and i guarantee that there are a lot of surfer bros that think they're buddhists and most definitely are not so i guess that's fair but do they also think they are bank robbers i mean to be fair they were very successful bank robbers until the end of this movie it's true keanu reeves is a bad bank robber if anything he's the one that i mean he didn't screw it up but he the time he was there things went bad all right let's talk about the plot of this movie (laughs) let's get into this freaking movie so we open this film with a lot of slow-mo shots of people surfing and intercut with 
some shots of Keanu Reeves, who's going to be playing our main protagonist. His name is Johnny Utah, which is absolutely the greatest name in film, and you cannot convince me otherwise. It, it really bothers me, though, because his name's Johnny Utah, but this fucker's from Ohio, and that just makes me mad. <laughs> He's Johnny Ohio. But that that would be too on the nose. It's like a dentist being called Crentist, you know? Like it, you can't it can't line up that well. Why yeah. doesn't why didn't they just give him a last name that wasn't Utah? <laughs> Johnny Utah just sounds so good. It doesn't even. Oh, it's so good. It is not it is not the best name. Mr. Freeze? Mr. Freeze. <laughs> what? That's such a good character name. He has so many puns, it matches way better than this. <laughs> Oh my god. So we see Johnny Utah, he's shooting some guns, he's like on the shooting range. We find out that he's in the FBI, and we then get a shot of who's going to be kind of Johnny Utah's boss, played by John C. McGinley, and his name is Harp. A.K.A. Dr. Perry Cox from Scrubs. Yes. I have a scrub story that's going to totally derail us. You can cut it Perfect. out, but please derail. <laughs> so John C. McGinley, when he went to go do the audition for Scrubs, he, like, went in and looked on the script, and, like, he, he got the script to go to the audition, and on it, for the character that he ended up playing, it literally said, in brackets, a John C. McGinley type. And he was like, oh, so do I, like, have the part? And they were like, no, you still need to audition. And he's like, but you literally wrote, like, a type of, like, but it's me. And they're like, yeah, so he still did do, like, seven auditions to actually Seven? <laughs> yeah. A lot of auditions. I mean, he played the part perfectly, so. Mm-hmm. It's because they were trying to cast his type. <laughs> so when we see Johnny Utah at the shooting range, it is important to note that he is impeccable at shooting things. He's very good at using a gun, and he always hits his mark. That's important in the movie. And after that point, as soon as he entered like the FBI, I have a lot of questions about this scene. There's a lot of lines that really opened this movie and made me go, what are we watching? So at first, um, we learn that Ben Harp... Um, who is like the chief of police, he uh, tells Johnny that he wants him to be really healthy. And Johnny says that not to worry, he even takes the skin off of his chicken. And my question for you both is, is that the peak of health? I don't think necessarily you need to take the skin off your chicken. I think you can leave the skin on your chicken breasts and it's still pretty healthy. Like, I think the the real way to tell is, is he eating the dark meat or is he eating the light meat, you know? Well, okay. So this movie, it, like, came out in 1991. And that was very much, like, in the time of, you know, uh, fat is evil. It's definitely not sugar. Sugar's not a problem. Fat is literally satan and so in in that like vein i can understand being like oh yeah i don't even eat this chicken skin that's like too much fat just give me that boiled chicken breast and some white rice so i guess maybe that would give the impression that he's very healthy he does then immediately go and eat a donut which might detract from that but i was just curious 
Um, <laughs> next, one of possibly the lines that stood out to me the most. <laughs> Did one of you want to say it? This is one of my favorite lines in a movie ever. It makes me laugh so hard. But Harp says that Johnny is young, dumb, and full of cum. He's virile. He's not wrong. Johnny doesn't seem to be <laughs> super you, smart. <laughs> I was going to say, wait, have you checked on uh, Keanu's sperm count? <laughs> I'm sure it's great. It's just a very aggressive line. They talk about jerking off a lot. When he's like talking about like the young whippersnappers, he's like, oh, you were just jerking off when I was solving crimes. And it's like, dude, simmer down. I mean, yeah, we'll get into Gary Busey's character, but I, I don't know if it's a character or if it's just Gary Busey. Also, I just, <clears throat> before we go too much further, I just need to say that I love Keanu Reeves. I will watch any Keanu Reeves movie, anyone, doesn't matter what it is. But he, while being one of the most wholesome actors ever, uh, is also not necessarily the world's greatest actor. And in this movie, the entire time, I just, like, kept thinking that the acting direction that he was given was, like, okay, so it's, like, Bill and Ted, but you're kind of a cop with an attitude problem. Because it's, like, all of the mannerisms are just him in in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. (laughs) But, like, if he was in the FBI in that movie. I think part of the problem is he has a really distinctive voice, too. So you just can't... You can't have Keanu sounding anything but what Keanu sounds like. He has, like, a very distinct voice and cadence, and I don't think he can change it. Like, there's been a couple movies where he's done accents, and it is so bad. Like, he just, he physically cannot do it. Yeah, and I agree with that, but, like, I don't know. I think, like, now, maybe it's just he's improved over time, I don't know. But, like, in John Wick, he doesn't sound like the kind of, like, duncey goofball guy anymore. Um, and I feel like in this, his cop persona wasn't supposed to be that, but it still comes off as that. Like, it's like he was surfer bro before he goes full surfer bro. I mean, he's young. Pretty dumb. (laughs) We already said the third thing. Okay. So after this finishes up, we find out that basically Johnny Utah, he's going to be sent down to L.A. So we get a new shot of him heading up into the L.A. office, and we immediately go to this pool scene where there's a bunch of FBI agents who are being blindfolded, and we meet the very unhinged Gary Busey, who's playing, I believe, Detective Pappas? Special Agent Pappas. Yeah. And Pappas is a 22-year-old vet in the FBI, and he gets blindfolded. He's going to have to go dive down into this pool and pick up some bricks. And while he's blindfolded, he immediately starts shit-talking Johnny Utah as Johnny Utah is standing right in front of him. Super unfortunate. Someone probably should have given him a heads up, like a little poke to the ribs, been like, right? He's right there. (laughs) (laughs) So I think the main point of the scene isn't that he's rude and maybe he shouldn't have said it but no one's got his back in the force no one's like willing to help him out cover for him and make sure he like knows what's going on they all just think he's a joke he's been on the force for ages 
We'll get into what happens when he tells everybody his bank robber theory, but basically, I think they just kind of are like, ugh, Pappas. Like, I think no one, you know, wants to go get beers with Pappas after work, I bet. He's just kind of that guy. Poor Pappas. I mean, I don't know that I'd want to go for beers with Gary Busey either, to be honest. It's kind of a a wild card, that one. I would 100% go for beers with Gary Busey. (laughs) Okay, let me... Let me rephrase. I might not go for beers alone with Gary Busey. With, like, a group of people, maybe. I don't think I want to be alone anywhere with Gary Busey. I mean, I mainly don't want to be alone anywhere with anyone right now, but... Okay, I'm talking pre- or (laughs) post-COVID. That's fair. I feel like it's hard if any actor that was in, like, a film you've podcast about was like, hey, want to grab a beer? Do it for the pod. Yeah. Go, go get that interview. <laughs> so we then get a very exciting bank robbing scene. Meg, what was your first impression of the, the gang of hooligans who's robbing the bank? I was really excited. I was like, this is going to be a heisty shisty movie. I'm going to get to see a lot of schemes and a lot of planning about how are we going to hit up the next bank, which I love. And, you know, we kind of rolled through it a little bit quicker than I thought we would. And, you know, the ex-president is a super sweet name. Like, that's an excellent team name. Um, I think it's really cool. And it led me to believe, again, as kind of I said, we'd be heading down a direction that would focus a little bit more on the bank robbery part. (laughs) Yeah, I will say that, like, Nixon, way more into the president's thing than everybody else Mm -hmm. because he's up here just like using his nixon voice spouting nixon quotes and everyone else is just using president names but talking in their their normal voice i think some of them so for anyone who's like maybe didn't watch the movie they're called the ex-presidents and they all have masks of ex-presidents of the united states and yeah they call each other the names of whatever mask they're wearing but i think that they all kind of have like a little bit Like, some of them put on a little accent. Two of the guys who are in this hooligan ex-president's gang are also not actors. They're literally just surfers that Catherine Bigelow, like, saw and really liked. So she pulled them in to be in the movie. So that could be part of the reason why maybe they're not as committed to the acting parts, but... Yes, but even our main person, Ronald Reagan, uh, he just speaks in his normal voice yeah he doesn't doesn't, it's it's all about i'm all about the nixon in this in this scene he's he's giving me what i want the rest of them yeah it's a fun bit but like nixon's really selling the bit in my opinion fair i feel like it'd be very stressful having to rob a bank pay attention to all the people the bystanders like the bank tellers and also keep your bits straight and be like, oh, now's the part I have to make like a sweet reference so people get that we are the ex-presidents. So I think for the acting and the script is good. I think to play this out at a real bank would be very difficult. And maybe I can't multitask enough for something like this, but I feel like it'd be hard to keep it straight. What's like the 2020 equivalent of this? Would we have everyone dress up as like, I don't know, members of One Direction or something? Like what's a fun mask we could have? Ninja Turtles. People who have been canceled, (laughs) probably. You think that there's like an army hammer mask out there that I can go grab real quick? I I don't know. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) 
Either that or it would just be five Donald Trumps. <laughs> There's a lot of Donald Trump masks around. I wonder if the move is to wear the, a mask of someone, like, very likable so that people, like, the bystanders, they, like, think twice about, you know, doing something bad to you or, like, calling it in. They're like, oh, but that's such a lovely person. They're like, oh, it's Betty White yeah. robbing the bank. I can't, I can't do anything about that. Yeah, whereas if it's someone like Donald Trump... <laughs> I like that you whispered it as if we aren't on a podcast. Don't summon him. <laughs> it's like Beetlejuice. <laughs> Don't say it three times. I know that some people out there are a fan, but I would say that, you know, most people, if they saw someone wearing a mask with him on it, robbing a bank, maybe they would be quicker to like tackle them or, you know, try to like attack them even before they start, like just seeing him come in wearing the mask, I feel like would draw a lot of attention and a mask in general would. But I think, again, the move is to be like someone very friendly or fun. Fair. I like that plan a lot. Mm-hmm. So they also yell, don't forget to vote, uh, which I really like. That is gotta nice. Get, gotta get that message out there. It's very important. Mm-hmm. And we find out because we then switch to our cop friends. We find out a few things about this gang. So they've robbed 27 banks in three years. They're always in and out in 90 seconds. They only take cash from the drawers. They never go to the vault. And they always moon the cameras, which is a very important plot point later on. The most important plot point. They really spout out, like, just spew out the things that are very important in, like, small, like, breakaway bits. Johnny Utah gets 100% on his shooting thing. The They always moon the camera. They never hit the vault. Always 90 seconds. These are very important things that they're just like, bang, 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 bang. If you're not paying attention, too effing bad. Yeah, Catherine Bigelow is like, you better be watching my fucking movie because I'm giving you all of the info you need right here. It's true. You know everything you need to know in the first 10 minutes of the movie. I appreciated the heads up. It's very clear. And in some of the other movies we've watched, it's taken me a minute to be like, oh, this is what they're doing. <laughs> Cough, Mission Impossible. <laughs> that was possibly a little confusing at first. Yeah, I, I just feel like nothing is wasted in this movie. Like, mm-hmm. everything has some sort of payoff at some point. So we find out Pappas has been on this case, um, and he has this theory for the team, but it's kind of the laughingstock of the department, and he's too embarrassed to tell Johnny what exactly is this theory that he's been working on. Did you have any thoughts on what the theory might be before before it was revealed? Were you like, oh, are they all in, like, a polka band together? Like, what could this be? Or did you immediately know it was surfing because I told you it was about surfing? Well, not only did you tell me it was about surfing, uh, but the movie... was like aggressively showing surfing for apparently no reason you know it's like why would there be all these clips of people surfing like the other cops like make it very obvious that the i like his theory is that it's a bunch of surfer bros like Mm -hmm. beach bros Mm -hmm. like before he even says oh it's nothing don't forget about it whatever so like even before you know that he has a theory, you already kind of know what the theory is. He also has a pretty good reason for his theory, like multiple good reasons. So did we want to dive into why? Yeah, for sure. Do you want to go over them? Yeah. So to start with, if you look at 
the ass that has been shown to camera, there are tan lines of someone who would be wearing a bathing suit. So that's kind of point number one, somebody that's probably at the beach. Um, Number two, they found um, a product called sex wax at a previous crime scene, which is wax for a surfboard. And I believe that's what they have to go off of, but it's not nothing. Yeah, it's pretty good. And they also noticed that it's kind of been like a seasonal thing. Mm -hmm. So they've been robbing all the banks only in the summer. Mm -hmm. So I feel like cops making fun of other cops for their pretty decent theories is a little harsh. So it's a pretty decent theory, mainly because it's correct and we know that it's correct and we find out that it's correct even if we didn't already know that it's correct. But, like, that is extremely... All of those things are, like, pretty circumstantial. It's LA. Everyone's at the beach all the time. Like, the sex wax thing, maybe. But Papa says that they found this wax. It's, like, carnauba wax or something, and which is used in everything. And he says that there were three matches that the lab found, one of which was sex wax. And he just never tells you what the other two are. <laughs> so what I'm getting is Colin would be laughing at Papas with the other cops. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's not, like, a lead worth looking into. But what I'm saying is, like, this is very circumstantial. Like, well, it's not going to hold up in court with he, his, like, three maybe clues. He won't get a beer with him. He's laughing at him for his theories. <laughs> very, very harsh. Now, the other issue I have is... It's like, if you're going to mock someone for their theory, you better have a better theory. Totally. And nobody else presents option two. The only option we're given is someone who's actually been trying to think about it, and then a bunch of hooligans who are just mean. Well, and it's, like, so obvious why Pappas could never go undercover to do this, because he is... It's Gary Busey. Like, he looks like a fucking narc, even when he's wearing Hawaiian shirts later in the movie. Like, he just looks like such a goober. There's no way that the, the surf bros would ever trust him. Sorry, mm-hmm. Gary Busey. <laughs> friend of the, noted friend of the podcast, Gary Busey. <laughs> friend of two-thirds of the podcast. It's okay, I'm only, an, I'm only a, a hanger-on. So, I think at this point, we learn that Johnny Utah, he's all for this theory. He's like, yes... I agree. And this was a real bonding moment for them to finally come together and be the buddy cop duo that we need for this film. And he agrees that he will go undercover and be the surfer bro. Okay, wait. So before we go too far down this, we skipped over one thing, which is where they, uh, Johnny Utah insists that they must go look at this car that's been dumped. And He's like, you know, doing cop things, investigating the crime scene. Meanwhile, Papas, Gary Busey, is over here, and they get into, like, his big yelling match. The most, like, early 90s acting I've ever seen. They're just yelling at each other about nothing. And then we then we cut to this thing with all of the, the evidence. And then, yeah, all of a sudden they're, like, broing down, and then that scene... Ends with them imitating surfing and just going, whoa! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really, As it should. <laughs> it really progressed quickly is what I'm saying. It's a really intense emotional relationship that they have. Like, it's a perfect movie. We needed a scene of Gary Busey and Keanu Reeves 
in the office, Gary Busey jumps up on the table and pretends surfs on it. I thoroughly enjoyed that scene. <laughs> and I like that they finally came together. Yes. I don't like it when there's characters in conflict. I like that they're on the same It was a stressful now. five minutes, I'll tell you that much. It was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we go to the surf shop because Johnny Utah is going to need to become a surfer. So they need to get him a surfboard. And he, they're, when they come out of the shop, Johnny's like, okay, so I'm just going to kind of carry the board around. And Gary Busey's, sorry, Papas is like, no, you need to learn how to surf. Like, you need to, like, get in with them. He, I think he says, look at them. They're a tribe. Like, you need to break into that. So we get some scenes of Johnny attempting to learn to surf, and he's not having a very good time. He's basically starts drowning, and he gets, of course, saved by the only female who is important in the whole film, who pulls him out of the water, drags him up on the beach, and then yells at him. Yes, yeah, so this is where we meet Tyler. And I must say, you know, for someone who's trying their best to learn to surf and then literally starts drowning, she was a little harsh. <laughs> I don't think he deserved to get yelled at. Yo, he was riding a pigboard. Okay, that's what she called it. I don't know what that means. I'm not a surfer. Uh, and he clearly was out of his element. He may as well have still been wearing the suit he was wearing when he went to buy the surfboard, which was also a weird choice. Yeah, they could have gotten him a cooler looking board. But she, like, reams him out for surfing. And I think that there's a few times throughout the movie where maybe it's very clear that I don't know surf etiquette, but people get really mad at each other for doing things where I was like, wasn't that bad. Like, he's trying his best. And people seem to get really upset at Johnny Utah for trying to learn to surf at his age. So everyone's upset, but he perseveres and decides, no, like, I'm, I'm going to learn how to surf. I mean, we'll talk about the, the other altercation later, because I have thoughts on that. But yeah. Uh, yeah. as soon as this scene was happening, I'm like, okay, I know this actress. <laughs> Could not for the life of me figure out who it was. And then, like, I don't know, 30 minutes later into the movie, I figured out that I recognized her. She was a character on Orange is the New Black in, like, mm -hmm. a, the latter few seasons. Yeah. Um, and, but she has, like, bleach blonde hair and glasses, like, right? Like, like she looks hair, completely like, yeah, different. It, yeah. Um, she looks super different. I had no idea who she was yeah, at it's first. The, it's the voice that... Uh, I Laura Peretti. Yeah. She was, like, mm -hmm. the it girl of the 90s, I feel like, too. Oh. oh. Yeah, so Johnny watches her change and creeps on her. He notes her license plate, which is very creepy, even though he is a cop. Um, and then... Later they go, and he looks her up in some sort of FBI database, and it has all these random things where, like, it's like, oh, indecent exposure, and they're all like, ooh, and then he goes to another page, and it says that her parents are dead, and I'm like, why do they She's have- She's an orphan. Why do they have this information on this database? It's so random. Well, it's because her parents died when she was four, so she was in the care of the state. That's the only reason that it's in there. But it still shouldn't be, like, I don't know what, what database they're looking in. It's the FBI. They know everything, apparently. It's the CIA. <laughs> but then Johnny Utah was just like, yes, I will use yes. this information to warm her heart towards me. This is how I will win this woman over. Which, you could have done it another way. Yeah, he kind of just manipulates the hell out of her. And it's very, very upsetting. So... I'm just going to recreate this scene for the listeners who may not have seen this. So 
they're sitting in front of this computer. There's a, a woman at the computer. She's clearly the technician working for the FBI. And she's, as Kelly said, just going like, ooh, making all these like flirty comments that are like, wow, this is really inappropriate for the workplace, but okay. And then Keanu Reeves, Johnny Utah, whatever, is like, ah, I gotta find a way in. I need a way in. And then they find out that she's an orphan. And basically his reaction is, ah, sweet. Her parents are dead. That's my way in. Fuck yeah. And then it cuts to him using that to become friends with her. Yeah. Yeah. Friends is a strong word, I think, at the beginning. Well, sure. He shows up at her work. And is just like, I swear I'm only here to order a meal, but also teach me how to surf. And she says no multiple times. Yep. At which point he probably should have just left her alone, but instead goes on to this monologue so he can sneak in the fact that his parents have also died, which of course makes her feel really bad. And so that speech paired with how he really wants to learn to surf, which is something that she's passionate about. She decides, fine, I'll help you, but you have to be here at 6 a.m. tomorrow. Don't be late. Which, you know, is good for him as a cop, but is sad for him as a human being. Yeah, like what is the ethical line of you being a cop? Like he could have just found another person. He could have just hired a surf instructor But he was like, no, I need this hot woman to teach me how to surf specifically. He also didn't know that she was in with the surfing crew that ultimately he needed to become a part of. So at that point, his only motivation was like, she's hot. I want her specifically. It's not like they had other intel that he needed to get in with her and this group specifically. She also worked at the restaurant where he wanted to get his shrimp and fries, though. She That's did. an important, important. He just really needed that shrimp and fries. That, is an that was his number one reason for being there. Yeah. Number two was the surf instructor, as he was so blatant about. Just need that shrimp and fries. I mean, we didn't even get to see the shrimp and fries. We didn't learn if it was delicious or not. He probably left without taking it, to be honest. He was probably just... I'm kind of glad we don't see it because we see a sandwich later in the movie that looks really good. So (laughs) I don't think we needed two sandwich shots in one film. I don't know, though. I'm not Catherine Bigelow, so maybe we did. So we see a montage of Tyler teaching Johnny Utah how to surf. And, you know, it's the classic, like, oh, they're, like, starting to become friends kind of thing. And they're laughing And I feel like she yells, like, you're surfing at him, which I was like, wow, when I was learning to surf, I also got yelled, you're surfing by my instructor. And it felt really nice. So also this entire montage of him falling down and failing to surf, there's the background music is a song. I'm not sure if this is the title, but the main lyric is I will not fall. Uh, And it's just playing as he keeps repeatedly falling and falling and falling. And so... In terms of soundtrack points, plus 100 points. It's good juxtaposition. We also see a shot of who we will later find out is Bodie. And uh, we know that he's going to be important because he's doing some sweet surfing tricks. And he's just a very good surfer. So you, you just know he's going to be a main character in this movie. Because as discussed, this movie is mainly about surfing. Also, it's Patrick Swayze. Also, it's Patrick Swayze. <laughs> 
with the most fantastic hair, might I add. I think he's also probably the best actor in the film. Oh, by far. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he really nailed his character. And I think that it's probably one of the more difficult characters to nail. Um, So, you know, he has to be like this very zen, chill, surfer bro, like Colin mentioned. And then also like a very serious bank robber. And we kind of see him go a little mad at the end, all of which would be very difficult to act out. I think, honestly, like, a lot of this movie, you know, we talked about the young, dumb, full of cum line. There's a lot of lines in this movie that are just, like, if you read that in a script, you'd be like, this is so stupid. But I think that pretty much everyone does a good job of actually delivering it in a way where you're like, oh, this is still a good movie, despite the fact that some of the the lines are bizarro. Yeah, I feel like it'd be hard to say a lot of those lines seriously. Yeah. So we see Bodhi, he sneaks up on Tyler and kisses her. So we're like, oh my god, they know each other. And then one of Bodhi's pals throws a football at him. And Johnny Utah catches it. Because he is the football playing stud of the film. He's a stud, but he couldn't go pro because he injured his knee. Mm -hmm. So immediately Johnny throws the football back and he gets invited to play a little game of football. So all of these people on the beach are wearing fucking jeans. Can I just say that? Like, Mm -hmm. who wears jeans on the beach? They're like playing sports, first of all. They're playing sports in jeans. And they're on the beach in jeans. I feel like that's just so uncomfortable yeah it's a horrible combination i would never wear jeans on the beach or play football in jeans so you're right this is a terrible choice on their part because there's just like a lot of chafing issues that i would think might come up Mm -hmm. but we see this football scene and basically what ends up happening is johnny tackles bodie into the water and everyone like freaks out because they're like whoa man that was so uncalled for which i'm like he tackled him into the water like it's gonna be fine he's not gonna get hurt and then Bodie realizes, like, wait, you guys don't know who this is? It's Johnny Utah, like, Ohio State. Which is crazy. Like, there's no way that these people would remember this random college football quarterback from, like, four years ago. Or that the reason he remembers who he is is because he get tackles by him. Like, it's not like they've played a game together and there's this flashback of, like, you've tackled me just like this before, bro. I remember it. And why wouldn't they mention that when he was like, hey, I'm Johnny Utah? Mm-hmm. I don't think he introduced himself as Johnny Utah to anybody. I think Bodie recognized him immediately and just didn't say anything. And the other guys just didn't know, who like, who he was. Maybe Bodhi just really, really intensely follows college football. It's the only answer. College football players who weren't able to make it big, specifically. I mean, he was in, like, the championship game, and he that's where he got injured. So he was, like, a game away from probably making it big. Maybe. I, I will say, though, that this scene is where I realized that even though it's 1991, the 80s haven't finished yet. This is like the most 80s thing I have ever seen in a movie ever. They all have like big 80s hair. They're just playing around on the beach with some like music in the background. I don't know. Just gave me serious 80s vibes. Wasn't that just us every weekend last summer though? (laughs) Yeah, but you know, it's COVID. It's the 80s. It's the same thing. Yeah, and also when the movie was written and planned, it was probably in the 80s. And so we just get this lovely 80s vibe from it, which I'm not mad about. 
I mean, it's not like, you know, the culture changes as soon as the clock ticks over it. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's just a very 80s vibe. Mm-hmm. This next scene is one of my favorites. I feel like I, I say that about a lot of scenes, though. So they are talking to Harp in his office, Papa's in Johnny, Utah. We don't know exactly the timeline, like maybe the next day or the next week or something, but they're talking to Papa's, or sorry, Papa's and Johnny are talking to Harp. Harp is so mad at them over this whole thing. He thinks they're basically like making a joke of this case. And Johnny goes ahead and tells him, well, I caught my first tube this morning. Which is an unreal line to say to your boss, first of all. How it goes exactly is boss man says, do you have anything to show for it? And Johnny Utah says, caught my first tube this morning, sir. I love it so much. It's so good. And I really like when they go into the hallway, too, because Johnny explains that he's not able to fit the surfboard in his car, so he has to bring it into the office. So he's walking through this, like, small office with this huge surfboard, and there's people, like, walking past them, and all of the extras that they hired are, like, looking back at him, like, what the fuck are these jokers doing? Which is just amazing to have the commitment from these non-speaking characters to even be like, what are you doing? Like, these guys are fucking idiots. <laughs> also, like, Gary Busey, who is not undercover at this point, is, like, wearing this, like, very 90s-looking shirt. Why isn't he still just in his normal, like, suit attire that everyone else in the FBI is wearing? But I guess he just wanted to feel like he was part of the, the team. Mm-hmm. Well... I think we probably agree that this was unreasonable of them to get yelled at and asked, what what are you doing? It's been like only a week since this started, maximum two weeks. And we learn later that there's another undercover agent who's been out there for over three months. So a few weeks is a very, very short time to be undercover. Yeah, it's totally silly. Mm hmm. I think part of it is, like, being actually undercover with the people that you know are the criminals versus bro in down with some surfers that may or may not have anything to do with anything. Mm-hmm. I think that's maybe where the difference there is for the, mm-hmm. the undercover work. Yeah. They gotta absorb the culture. All right, so we find out that there has been another ex-president's robbery, but this time someone was able to grab a hair from one of the robbers who happened to have a ponytail. And so they realized that, okay, if we can grab hair from someone else, we'll be able to figure out what beach this person surfs at because they found some kind of weird chemicals in this particular hair. So we see a montage of them grabbing hair from random people on the beach. Hilarious. So good. My notes here just say, need hair because chemicals, dumb idea, but will piss off the boss man. Yeah, which is exactly (laughs) what they say. I think Papa says it. He's like, I don't think this is actually going to work, but it'll piss off Harp, so let's do it, which I fucking love. They're just like, oh yeah, this is the most realistic part of the whole film, Mm -hmm. that they're doing this solely because it's going to piss off their boss who they hate. So do we want to talk about the strategies they use for collecting hair from the beach? Because this is a lot. Yes, I think we should really break them down, since there's only two especially. Yeah, so firstly, they walk up to a guy that has long hair and he's sitting with his friend on the beach and he just grabs his hair and cuts it. (laughs) Yes. He just cuts it with scissors. Angelo Pappas does this. (laughs) Yes, sorry. Pappas just walks up to him and just cuts his hair and just walks away. And then the guy sits there. 
for two minutes afterwards being like, did that guy just cut my hair? <laughs> but he stays sitting and he doesn't follow him to be like, dude, what the, what was that about? <laughs> well, they were both clearly like hot boxing themselves under a blanket and he came up and showed them his badge. He's like, I am an FBI agent and then just snips his hair and walks away. So this stoner dude is just freaking the fuck out, which is why he doesn't, you know, chase after the fuzz because he's trimming balls and is not about to deal with that. How do we feel about the hot boxed pillow fort? Because I had never considered that before, but once I saw it, I was like, that's pretty fun, actually. I don't, I don't know about doing it in the middle of the beach, but... There's, like, probably not a great seal on it, so you're not going to get a good hot box experience, but if, in terms of, you know, it's the early 90s, you're trying to smoke a J and be kind of secretive about it, although two dudes huddling under a blanket over their heads isn't exactly stealth mode. You know, it, it at least covers up what you're doing under the blanket, I guess. Perhaps. So our, our second approach might be a little bit more realistic. Um, we have Johnny Utah putting on his best acting skills. He goes up to a guy who has kind of long hair and is basically like, oh man, there's like a big bug, it's gonna crawl in your ear, and then pretends to hit the bug, but just snaps off a piece of his hair. And the reaction from the person whose hair just got stolen is, man, you're gonna leave some hair behind, bro? He also wants to see the bug. Yeah, he and does. he refuses to show him. He's like, no, no, bro, you don't want to see this. You don't want to see this. You don't want to see this clump of hair that I'm stashing in my towel? The good news is we get a match from this wild plan. So yeah. we, we know that these surfers have been surfing at Latigo Beach, which is going to inform what happens next. Utah and Pappas head over there. Utah's going to go over there and surf. And as discussed, this is where we really get into the surfing uh, turf wars, I'm going to call it. Because everyone's really pissed off that Johnny's surfing in this new beach. Probably because he's not very good. But they're all, like, yelling at him. And he ends up getting into an altercation with another surfer, bro. So... This guy, before there's, like, a group of people all yelling at him, he's out there surfing, and he is doing what, you know, I assume is what most people do kind of while they're surfing, and he's kind of going with the wave into shore, and this other dude comes, cuts across the wave, definitely is the one that runs into Johnny Utah, and then flips out and is like, watch where you're going, you ran into me, you're an idiot, and then, like... Cuts off, punches him in the face, I think, and then cuts mm -hmm. his, like, uh, tether off of his surfboard. So his surfboard just, like, drifts away and leaves Johnny there, like, treading water. It's like, come on, man. This was clearly, like, clearly your fault. It's like when someone walks into you in the street and then is like, watch where you're going. Just made me so mad. Yeah, it was a huge overreaction. Incredibly unnecessary. And it would just... I didn't realize that surfers were so territorial and that it was such a big deal for a new guy to, to just try to learn to surf. It's a big beach, man. Just chill. It's a big ocean. Like, come on. How would you get mad at Keanu also? Look at him. Yeah, I feel like the move is to maybe just explain, like, hey, like, if you feel like it wasn't 
maybe maybe it is not good surf etiquette. I, I couldn't tell you what good surf etiquette is, but maybe it's like, oh man, try not to bump into me next time. But we learn later that they're a whole bunch of meth heads. So what can you expect? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so Utah goes back to where he's stashed his walkie-talkie. He walkies Papas and is like, hey, I don't have a match for, you know, anyone with a ponytail or anyone like that. No one looks sketchy at this point. And then when he starts walking to go to the shower, we see that Papas loses sight of him from where he's sitting in the stakeout car. And, of course, Johnny gets surrounded by some goons... And did you guys did you guys notice who one of these goons is? So you specifically said something to me, and yeah. there's one of them that I recognize, but I don't know where from or who he is. One he of them is from the Chili Peppers, right? Yeah, Anthony Kiedis is yeah. one of the goons. He has a really bad haircut. Yeah. But this is the most unnecessary, because punching the guy in the face and then... He casually has a knife in his pocket. Is that a thing surfers carry around with them in case of sharks? I don't know. But he, like, very casually, like, whips out his knife, cuts off. I feel like that's more than enough to make things even. You know, you don't need to chase the guy down the beach and assault him in the shower. Yeah, so they start beating the shit out of Johnny Utah. We find out very quickly Johnny Utah is not very good at fighting people. (laughs) Like, he gets his ass kicked Probably more times than we've seen any protagonist get their ass kicked in any of these movies. Four to one, though. Yeah. One of, one of my notes at the end of the movie, and I waited till the end of the movie to write this, is Johnny loses every fight he is in in this movie. He only is saved by someone else coming to save him or at the end just because he, like, dupes the guy. But, like, he loses that fight. He loses every fight that he is in in this movie. He has a bad knee. He does have a bad knee. Not at this point. I think he does. (laughs) (laughs) So Bodhi magically shows up and backs up Johnny. And Bodhi and Johnny end up fighting off these dudes. And they leave the beach together. Bodhi's, like, talking to Johnny all about all this stuff and, like, how surfing is so deep and how he believes in all of this kind of mumbo-jumbo-y spiritual surfing stuff. No offense if anyone's really into the spirituality of surfing. That's great for you. Now, Kelly, you've been surfing once. (laughs) Do you feel this way about surfing? (laughs) I mean, it was really fun, but maybe I'm just not into it enough, you know? Maybe I've still got that intense look in my eye like Johnny does when uh, later in the movie when Tyler talks to him. Like, maybe I just haven't... I haven't let it all go yet. Like, I really need to maybe go surfing at night, perhaps, would help me get over this. Mm. So this is also where we get kind of uh, a taste of the duality of Bodhi, as it were. Because he's, like, going on and on. We got Patrick Swayze. He's like, oh, man, surfing's like therapy. It's all about calmness and serenity. And then he flips and is like, man, you fight real good. That's what makes you cool. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, mm-hmm. but more or less, that's how that conversation goes. And it's like, I feel like those two things, they don't jive. <laughs> now, I'm going to be, try- I'm going to try to be careful with my wording because this does not apply to everyone. But I do think a lot of people who like get into fights 
they tend to need the meditation part as well to try to like center themselves and zone in. So I do think people that have both of those personality traits are very common. That's a good point. That's fair. And maybe some of them that are more one side, like more of the aggressive side could use more of the other side potentially. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think this is kind of the first foreshadowing if you haven't already immediately figured out that this guy is the guy. <laughs> yeah, Meg, how long did it take you to figure out that this that Bodie's gang are the ones robbing the banks? Oh, like as soon as he ran out to play football. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay. oh, you're meeting these people because they're the people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, it's Patrick Swayze. He's more famous than everyone else in this movie. Yeah, you're like the Got main... It. You're one of the main <laughs> characters. <laughs> so... Bodie also invites Johnny to come to a party at his house. He tells him, just come with Tyler. So Johnny's like, ooh. I was trying to think about the text you would send. If someone, <laughs> if someone told you like that you've only met a few times and you were invited to their party and they're like, oh, just tell this other person that you're going to go with them. So I was like, how do you text Tyler saying like, hey, Bodie told me he invited me. Uh, to his party but that I could get the address from you or go with you is that fine and every way I phrased it in my head I was like this is very awkward especially later when you have the context that Tyler and Bodie are exes I feel mm-hmm. like the whole thing just gets very weird oh and I guess you they weren't texting you'd have had to call and explain this or go or just show up at her house or show up at her work at the shrimp shack or whatever yeah just gotta get some shrimp and fries I feel like he could have just given him the address yeah. yeah, so there there are a few times here where Bodie weirdly... Okay, this is very much like Triple X, mm. where you've got the bad guy and the love interest who the bad guy is like weirdly taking ownership of and deciding what she can and cannot or should or should not do. I get the same vibe here, where he's like... Oh yeah, Tyler's my girl, so I can tell you to hook up with her. Like, it's like really same vibe for me. I got a totally different vibe. I feel like he was just trying to be a good wingman. Except like when they meet, Bodhi walks up and just like eats her face. Uh, Maybe Bodhi kisses his mom on the mouth too, we don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he's just one of those people. His favorite quality of like humans. Anytime I see anyone that does that... I just have a lot, like, you can't ask them. But I have a lot of questions, and I've never been able to ask anyone because you can't ask them to their face. 100%. I agree. If you're out there, if you kiss your mother on the mouth, please tell me why, because I don't understand. Please explain yourself. This is a complete guess here, because I do not and would not. Uh, But my guess is that it's the mother's doing. Like... When you're being raised, if your mom is always, like, kissing you on the mouth, and then you got older and were, like, dodging mom kisses, she'd have words for you. So maybe it's, like, it might just be a, a thing. The generation. I don't like it. I don't like it. But I'm not saying it's, like, some dude who's, like, I'm gonna kiss my mom on the mouth. Is it nature, <laughs> nature versus nurture mouth kissing? Like, I hate to be so against it in case someone's like, how could you be so against something that I love so much? It's weird. It's really passionate about kissing my mom on the mouth. Especially in this, you know, COVID-infested world, I feel like people should kiss as few people as possible. 
you know, just keep the kissing to one, maybe, maybe a couple if you, if that's your vibe. Maybe this changes like when you become a parent, but I also feel like kids' mouths are like really dirty and always have like stuff on them. Yeah, they always got like fucking goop or like frosting or some shit. I don't know. Plus, they like, just, like sauce. Like no. Yeah, I feel like I wouldn't want to kiss my kids like right on them. Like I'll give you, <laughs> I'll give you all the forehead and cheek kisses. Like I'll kiss your cheeks until they're red. But like. <laughs> that's a lot but <laughs> like not 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 the mouth not the mouth the mouth is for eating let's move on the mouth is for eating children <laughs> everyone remember the mouth is for eating only <laughs> that's what Bodhi's doing he's eating her mouth oh. he's hungry so before we even get to the party uh papas and johnny they trail the hooligans they grab their plates, and they're able to see that they have a really long rap sheet. And uh, Harp is able to arrange a stakeout. So they check out, they stay over at the house and look at what's going on overnight. And they think they're going to be able to get a warrant for the following day. Which is a very important point, because we immediately go to Johnny heading to Bodie's party mm-hmm. that night. I thought it was very kind of them in the steak handoff to give the next round of guys some pizza. Some cold pizza. Pizza can't stay hot forever. I love cold pizza, so I would have been stoked about that. But those guys were so... Yeah, yeah they're very incredulous about it. Yeah, they're they just, were very salty, and I was like, you're welcome for the pizza. Like, you're not showing up because they made you. You're showing up because it's your job. Yeah, I mean, these guys are just assholes. They've been introduced as assholes. They proceed to act like assholes even when there's, like, evidence that, you know, uh, uh, Pappas was, like, right the whole time, they're still like, you're an idiot, why are we here, blah, 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 blah. So, that's just their character. Mm-hmm. They're gonna be assholes about everything. So, we head to this Bodhi party. We see the mouth kiss that we're gonna just jazz right over. This party seems pretty wild. It looks pretty fun. I feel like I would probably go to this party. How about you guys? Yeah, definitely. Everyone is very clearly on a lot of drugs. And as soon as you walk in, there's a woman breathing fire. So you're at a 10 immediately. So Mm -hmm. you just gotta... Like, if I went to this party thinking it was like a board game night, I would probably be a little taken aback. But going to a surfer bro party, walking in and seeing this, I'd be like, "This this is what I was looking for. We also, we covered another movie that had someone breathing fire, so we're batting 25% of these films that we've watched where someone breathes fire, which is a pretty weird statistic. Maybe we love fire breathers. (laughs) We're going to have to keep finding more movies with this feature in them. So yeah, we're at this party. We learn um, that Bodhi believes in this 50-year storm that's going to hit Australia. It's going to be the biggest wave of all time. He wants to ride it, even if... It is going to kill him. Bum, bum, bum. So dramatic. Again, definitely not explaining exactly how the movie goes. I, like, prefer this kind of exposition, though, because it, it feels natural. He's, like, at a party. They're talking about surfing big waves, and he, like, explains this. Like, it doesn't feel forced, at least, you know? And we know he's a man of his word. He's not just saying, I'm going to surf this wave, which... I feel like if I was at a party and it seemed like very in the distance, I'd be like, yeah, totally. I'd surf that wave. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll learn how to surf and then surf it. Sure, whatever. Yeah, I'll surf the hell out of it. 
And we also get a scene after this where Johnny and Tyler walk into, like, Bodie's living room where there's all these surfboards. And this is when I noticed what Tyler is wearing. And Meg, I need to know your thoughts on the fact that Tyler is wearing a velvet dress. I don't feel like that is a friendly outfit for the climate of their area. I think it is too warm. I don't think velvet does well with getting wet and they're on the beach a lot. And also velvet's a gross material. And I feel like that would be difficult to wash. Very. But she looked very shiny. I did notice her butt a lot. She looked great. Yeah. She was very eye-catching. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, 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 I like the style of the dress, but I agree. I think the material was a poor choice for like a beachfront party. I feel like wouldn't all the sand get stuck in the, like, weird little velvet hairs, too? Yeah, I think it would be hard to keep clean, but she did stand out. And if that was her goal of the party, then boxes checked. Also, unrelated to the dress, but when, like, Tyler gets up to leave from them talking about this wave in Australia, she's like, oh, there's too much testosterone here. And she just, like, leaves, and then Johnny just, like, follows her unprompted. And then I just wrote in my notes... Time for Bone Town with Tyler. JK, Bodie comes in, so it's night surfing time. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you didn't write about how Tyler needs to tell her something? You mean Johnny needs to tell Sorry, Tyler something? Sorry, Johnny needs to tell Tyler something? No, I wrote Time for Bone Town with Tyler. Okay. <laughs> now, I do think, though, if you're at a party and there's, like, someone specific you want to talk to, the move is to leave the big group and yeah, see if totally. they come they come find you for a chat. So I do feel like she made the right move. And by going into that empty room, we know she wasn't trying to find a different group of people. She was looking to get followed. She was it was time for Bone Town. Look at that dress. And this is a good moment too because we get to have you know Tyler's telling us all about how Bodie is and how like listen Bodie's gonna like pull you in like this is what he does I can like see the way he's like looking at you which is very important for later in the film as well soon Bodie's gonna be eating Johnny's mouth is what it sounds like we talk about that later kind of acid (laughs) in the mouth now right before we move on to night surfing I did do a quiz before We started recording to learn if I was more of a Johnny Utah or more of a Bodhi. And one of the questions was, would you go night surfing? And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> would you guys go night surfing? Um, no. Colin says hard no. I feel like he said no before you even finished the question. He was shaking yeah. his head. I want to say no, but really, I, I think I'm more yes than no. If we're at a party... And a bunch of people were like, we're going to go night surfing. I can almost guarantee you I would go. Because I am very susceptible to peer pressure. Mm-hmm. And once I have, like, three drinks in me, I'll, like, I don't give a fuck. So. Okay. So let me explain. There, there, there is a precedence for this answer that I assume Colin's going to yeah. talk about now. Yeah. But before I get into that, I need to explain how I know that she is telling the truth, even though... It is against everything in her being to do so because she has been, you know, a swimmer her whole life. She was like a lifeguard. She was a competitive swimmer, all this stuff. She doesn't particularly care for the open water. Uh, It's very spooky. 
Yeah, I mean, there's it's a valid fear. Look, I, my issue is I don't like when fish and like seaweed brush up against me. Yeah, it like and in it gives the dark. Me the yeah, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. And so like that's why I'm like, yeah, I don't think that she would ever, you know, go night surfing on her own because mm-hmm. not only is there all that normal stuff, but also it's pitch black and the water you can't see anything. It's like mm-hmm. literally just darkness. Uh, but once we were at a wedding and one of our friends was like, it it was at a yacht club and one of our friends was like, I'm gonna jump off that dock. And I was like, that's a bad idea. And he was like, I'm gonna do it. And Kelly's like, I'm gonna do it too. And so they did. He jumped in, in his rental suit, which then they returned the next day, still wet. Uh, I think the suit bag was literally dripping as they handed it to the guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do say my asterisks and the way I took this question was like if there's a big group of people and like the whole party's going and you're gonna, you know, light some campfires on the beach, yeah, I'll dip my toes in. I'm not going deep. I'm I'm here to hang out. I I will yes. also say when I went surfing too, like because you're moving so much, you don't really touch anything. So I think I'd be more comfortable with that. And like you have the board and like part of my problem was like I don't like putting my feet down cuz I don't want to like step on a fish mm-hmm. but like you have the board and you paddle on the board so you just like don't i don't a lot of my fears are mitigated when you're on the surfboard so my two things and these are the these are literally the only two reasons i have no problem like swimming in some lake in ontario in the middle of the night i've done it tons of times whoa flex but colin has a cottage the ocean <laughs> wow in a place where you would be surfing there are generally two things that are of risk. One, which is the lesser risk, is sharks, but it is a risk. And two is coral. The thing that makes a lot of the waves that you surf on are the coral reefs. Either that or like some form of sandbank usually. But you don't want to be getting caught up on coral that you cannot see because that stuff will just shred your body. That's fair, but I do think, like, they later go to Santa Monica Airport, so I assume they're in, like, Santa Monica probably. And I don't, I think most of the beach is there because there's so many people surfing all the time, like, I don't think there's that much loose coral around. Now, a danger in Ontario are zebra mussels. So those those lakes can get you too. Yeah, I'm not talking. I'm not talking Great Lakes or Georgian Bay. I'm talking like tiny lakes. There's so much water in Ontario that like you don't need to go anywhere that's been infested by mm-hmm. the zebra mussels. Yeah, I was on a houseboat in the Thousand Islands, and when I was little, my friend's dad like would pick us up, spin us, and like chuck us into the water, and he like dropped me down the side, and like a zebra mussel Ooh. went into my knee. We're on a houseboat, so I just had to, like, sit on the houseboat for the rest of the trip with my, like, leg bandaged up. And there was, like, a sports doctor on the on our houseboat. So I just, like, had my knee wrapped up for the rest of the trip. That reminds me of another tangent we should go on, which is when I was... <laughs> Tell uh, me more. I don't know. I want to say maybe 12, 11 or 12, probably. Uh, I went to Cuba with, like, my mom and my brother and my sister. Cuba, Cuba. Cuba. Uh, and... We were just like went into the ocean um, for a swim and I like stepped on something and I was like, ow, that fucking hurts. What did I step on? And then like I like look down and see a fucking sea urchin just like right where my foot had been. Uh, Oh no. (laughs) And so I'm like kind of like limping trying to not put pressure on this like one foot 
and we just go and try and find one of like the surf shack dudes that's like on the beach there it's like the beach on the resort it's like private and mm-hmm. whatever and this guy just like asks what happens we're like oh i think he stepped on a sea urchin and the guy's like oh let me see and like we like rinse off all the sand and stuff he's like oh yeah he's like oh just pee on it and then proceeds to just flirt with my mother and just is like oh you just pee on it just pee on it in like very loose english uh, and so, yeah, I was like, I don't think that that's an actual thing. Um, it kind of is, but not really. Uh, and so we went to the, like, doctor's office for the resort where some nurse sat there for at least an hour trying to pick out all of these little pincer, like tiny little pincer things out of the bottom oh, of my no. foot. <laughs> That sounds terrible. These are the dangers. Yeah. There you go. Sea urchins. You have to yeah. pee on your foot. It's the worst. So they go night surfing. Wait, wait, wait. Did you pee on your foot? No. Okay, so they go night surfing. It looks fun. Everyone's having a great time. At one point, Bodhi leaves Johnny and Tyler to be alone. Oh, I knew exactly that it was now time for Bone Town. Like, I, it was so obvious. My notes say, now, now it's sexy time with yeah. Tyler. <laughs> yeah. 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 So they, they like make out on the surfboards, and we basically get the next morning them waking up naked on the beach, which, like, just the sand is just, I don't, I don't even want to think about. Again, me reading from my notes here. <clears throat> Fucking on the beach is a no from me, dog. To quote the great Anakin Skywalker, I hate sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating, and it gets everywhere. Ellie, he said no beach. Don't even try to convince him. (laughs) Well, now I certainly won't. (laughs) This is why we never go surfing together. (laughs) So Johnny wakes up in a panic. He realizes he's super late for his own raid. So he, like, tosses on some clothes real fast. Makes out with Tyler a bunch and runs to get to the raid where everyone is at the house. And this is where everything goes from like zero to a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> because yes. what the fuck? Yes. This is an Wild. unreal scene. <laughs> it's I was incredible. <laughs> shocked. I called a lot of things like I feel like I got everything right leading up to it. I, I can spot. I can spot when there are sparks. You know, I can tell who the baddies are. I was not expecting this raid to go like this. Yeah, so let's let's break down a couple things here. So we have everyone's got their job. Johnny's job is that he's going to be basically stationed at the back of the house and he's supposed to radio. Now, the only instructions they actually told him were like, go to the bush. Yeah. <laughs> I assume they've planned this out in advance. <laughs> Probably, but we were looking when we were watching the movie and we're like, there's a lot of different bushes. <laughs> His other instruction was that he is strictly backup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So he, we kind of can figure out that he's supposed to like radio once he gets a look inside the house to make sure that there's no like weapons or guns. And Papa's job is he's dressed in his finest Hawaiian shirt, and he's going to be walking around. He's wearing a wire, and he also needs to basically pretend he's looking for his lost dog to be able to, like, get into this stupid house um, to, like, look and poke around and see if he can see anything sketchy going on. So 
While Johnny is stationed behind the house, a neighbor starts mowing his lawn, (laughs) which should have probably clued everyone off that this lawnmower, this is going to be important, because as discussed, everything in this movie pays off somehow. So the lawnmower starts going off, Johnny kind of ignores it, and he has this weird little, like, pocket extendable mirror that he uses to look inside the house. So he looks inside the house, he sees a guy, like, pouring beer into his cereal, like, nothing's really going on, and then he sees a naked woman showering, which, again, important points to remember before things really start to go haywire. Yeah, so let me unpack a few things here. First of all, Pappas is wearing a wire. His plan is apparently to walk down the street looking for his dog. Now, I need to pull the audience, the audience being you two here. If someone came looking for their dog and they were like, I I feel like my dog was around here, would you let them into your house? No, absolutely not. How does this help him get anything? It was very weird. It's a terrible plan. (laughs) Um, And earlier uh, when we saw him, now this kind of goes back a bit to when Johnny Utah was showering at the beach and he got beat up and Papas ran to help him. We saw him do a good job of acting, pretending that, you know, he was chasing after something once he realized that Bodie was there. So we saw some decent acting chops. Which led me to believe he'd have a much better plan because this was terrible. There's no reason why some like middle-aged man coming into your door saying, I need to come into your house because I'm missing my dog. I like, no matter who you are, no matter what kind of like drugs you have in your house, you're saying no to this man. You're like, get the fuck away from my door, like back off. And she says no multiple times. And he's super weird about it. And yeah, he's really weird. Yeah. We know his actual motives, but there's no world that this is a good excuse. No. And so We see, like, he's kind of arguing with the woman at the door, and Johnny Utah is still in the back, and he sees that the guys in the house start, like, unloading, like, a shit ton of guns. So he starts trying to radio to the other team to be like, hey, you need to get Papas out of there. Like, it's, like, not safe. They have all these guns, but they can't hear him because of the fucking lawnmower going off. Mm -hmm. So Papas pulls out his, his badge and identifies himself as an FBI agent, and immediately we get this, like, wild shootout. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it just really went off. Yeah, it goes 0 to 100. Um, We see Johnny Utah busts through into the house, and I don't even know where to start here. A lot lot happens. (laughs) A lot happens all at once. Okay, the first thing that happens when Papa's, like, brings out his badge is he pushes his way into the house and a dude is standing in the hallway with like some sort of submachine gun or something and just starts firing and you see Pappas come in grab this scantily clad woman who he had been talking to at the door and kind of like run in and she definitely gets shot in the back here there is no way that she did not take like at least five bullets to the back in this scene but then 10 seconds later, she's also still there and fine. So Yeah, and it's like, this is one of your girls. She's in the house with you. And 
he's willing to just do open fire on this guy when it's like your friend is literally right there in front of them. So all the people in this house are on drugs and just like, don't give a shit or they don't care enough about each other as we see through a lot of the next few scenes. Yeah. It's so dumb. I mean, obviously the best part of this whole thing is that the naked woman in the shower comes out and absolutely beats the shit out of Johnny Utah. (laughs) And it is so good. Like, I don't know what... Johnny cannot fight. He's so bad at fighting. This woman's literally naked, probably, like, covered in soap, Mm -hmm. and she just kicks his ass. Yeah, she she whoops him. It was one of my favorite scenes, because I kept expecting him to do better, but then she just keeps beating him up more. It was really funny. Yeah, and then he ends up, like, tackling a guy out of the window as well. And then at one point, that guy, they scuffle, and the guy tries to, like, shove Johnny's face into the lawnmower, which was also very intense. But luckily, Papa shoots the lawnmower before that can happen. So as soon as they started going towards the backyard, I think we all probably thought, fuck, the goddamn lawnmower. Not the lawnmower. because of how someone's foot got shot, in the scene and we they panned to it immediately and showed you like this blown up foot i was waiting for johnny to shove the guy's face into the lawnmower and for them to show us like this very dramatic like blood gushing scene so when they switched and it was johnny getting his ass whipped again one that was very surprising to me because i thought that they were going to want to show the scene of someone going through the lawnmower and two i don't think the move is to shoot the lawnmower <laughs> no I felt like that it it worked out for him and that's nice, but it made me real concerned. Yeah, it was a weird it was a weird decision from Papa's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I also agree. I thought for sure here that Johnny would win his first fight of his life uh, and would definitely lawnmower this fucker's face off. Mm-hmm. Did not happen. Uh, but throughout this entire scene, the only thing I could think of was those stupid war amps commercials from when we were children uh where they were like trying to warn children about the hazards of stuff and there's one where a kid just straight up gets run over by a riding mower i have not seen these are advertisements for children in canada i don't know if they have anything quite so dramatic now but when these were what we were raised on um except and- for megan because she said she's never seen it <laughs> yeah i've never seen this that is incredibly alarming the oh, only- i'm gonna send you all sorts oh, of ads God. after this the only thing it made me think of which came many years after this was scream queens when they did use a lawnmower to like murder a person so- yeah there's a there's a very famous scene in a horror movie i think it's called brain dead that's about zombies and someone gets run over with a lawnmower as well Lawnmowers are a scary thing, but I, quite frankly, would like no part of. And we just put them in commercials for children here in Canada. They're like a scary thing to have around your home. It's just whipping blades around like really fast. Yeah, like there's ones with the cover, but the ones that are open. Yeah. Basically, this all, all this stuff happens and then come to find out that this drug ring or these guys are actually running a drug ring. Um, They're crystal meth dealers And there was another officer from the DEA who had been three months undercover with them. And Utah and Pappas just blew up the whole operation and totally ruined all of the work he'd been doing. 
So I'm wondering why there wasn't a little bit more coordination amongst all of the officers. If they're going to say we're planning this raid, why someone didn't immediately say, actually, we have people undercover there. Because it's not like Papas and Johnny showed up just themselves and were like, we're going to do this sneaky raid and we're going to show them that we know better than them. And our hunch was correct, which might have been the direction that would have made more sense if they wanted to say there was this big behind the scenes operation. But the fact that there were so many other cops involved and they had this plan, I don't understand why this is on them and not the department. And Harp. Harp was the one who was like, yeah, I made the raid happen. And then he's like standing there like, you two idiots. It's like, what? Harp, you authorized them to do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So this is a cliche that happens a lot of a lot in TV and movies of like this kind of like these cops accidentally blow up some other cops sting operation and now if like the guy undercover with the drugs was like local pd or like some other organization but like i'm pretty sure it's implied that he's also fbi Mm -hmm. you would think that when you type in an address into the fbi database that it would be like hey 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 leave alone no do so I think the DEA isn't under the FBI, though. I think the DEA is, like, a state thing. Oh, did it say he was from the DEA? Yeah, okay, he's I from the that. DEA. Okay, in that case, I'll allow it. So, yeah, it's like, it could happen that maybe they wouldn't know. I don't know how, yeah, how incommunicado everyone was in the 1991 era of copping. As discussed many times in this podcast, Megan and I are not cops, so... (laughs) I don't think we've ever given that impression by our, like, wildly low knowledge on just, like, these action movies. Basic police enforcement. (laughs) Yeah, I also, like, there's a lot of reasons why I wouldn't be a good cop, but one of the reasons that I almost, like, brought up earlier, when they were spotting each other's license plates... I was like, I so don't know what kinds of cars, like, different cars are. Like, I just can never spot them. I can never tell them apart. And I feel like that's, like, a low-key big part of being a cop. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. pretty important. So the way that this scene ends, I think, is probably the most astute uh, that Johnny is in a large part of the movie. I believe the his reaction to finding out about this sting and getting reamed out about it is just, ah, shit. And then I think that's pretty much the end of the scene. I mean, it's a big mistake. A lot of people died that they really brush over and are just like, oh, well. Yeah. I mean, they arrested several of them. Yeah, Pappas complains, too. He's like, I had to kill a guy because of you. At one point, that's another line in the movie. Yeah, he says that later, but also in this scene, he says to Johnny that killing people is basically the same as shooting paper targets, just with more cleanup. So, like, you can't be like, ah, killing people's fine, and then also be like, I had to kill someone for you, man. Like, you can't have it both ways. But it's easier to blame other people. (laughs) So we we, we move on to a new scene where... Uh, Johnny's back with Bodie and his crew. They're all going surfing, and then one of the guys on the crew moons him. And this is where, finally, that ass is coming into play. Because Johnny's like, I know that ass. He's like, I gotta go. He leaves Tyler. And he ends up trailing Bodie's crew, realizes that they've already packed up everything from their house, 
and they've been casing a new place to rob. So he wants to go after them the following day when they're planning to rob a new spot. Now, do you guys like how he discovered that Bodhi was the criminal? Because I don't love the fact that he just, like, spotted his ass from very far away and was like, I have all the evidence I need. I feel like, to me, it's not just the ass. Like, I feel like he probably, a little bit in the back of his mind, was like, could it be these guys? You know, like, there's the correct number of them. They're surfer dudes. They have this nice house, even though they seemingly none of them have jobs. Like, I feel like he probably had a couple red flags. And then when he, one, saw the ass, and two, was like, oh, this is a guy who just likes to moon people in general. Like, I think that probably just was like, oh, shit. So, I will say that I think it, by this point in the movie, I think it vibes perfectly with the entire everything. Um... But I will say also that even before this guy drops trow, I was like, why is this one asshole not wearing a wetsuit? Like, everyone's wearing wetsuits all the time, and then we just have this one guy who's just in board shorts. Mm -hmm. And then he whips them down, and I'm like, oh, okay, it's a plot point. Because I didn't go back and look, but I'm pretty sure in, like, all of the other scenes, he's also wearing a wetsuit uh, uh no at the beginning he's also in like board shorts yeah oh. because one of their reasons for them being surfers was the tan line but at that point i also thought don't surfers wear wetsuits and therefore those wouldn't be the tan lines of surfers yeah i mean it just kind of depends on how cold the water is right mm-hmm. maybe this guy is just very into he's like i'm not a little bitch i don't need a wetsuit mm-hmm as someone who wears board shorts when they go swimming, that's not what you want to be wearing when you're wrestling with the, like, currents of the ocean. Like, jumping into a still lake in board shorts, if they're not tied tight enough, they're coming off. So, like, falling off your surfboard, you better like mooning people, because it's going to happen a lot. And Well, he does. <laughs> and thank goodness he did. So we see our next day, we've got Utah, we've got Pappas, they're staking out the bank. Pappas gets really snacky, and he needs Utah to go grab him two meatball sandwiches. Is this a good stakeout choice? What do you think? I love meatball sandwiches. I also kind of prefer lunch foods to breakfast foods. So, you know, if I was, you know, not not having the best day and maybe he thought that this was going to be a a long stakeout because he was very blatantly not paying attention. Um, Maybe two meatball sandwiches is a little bit much, but one one I would have. He actually says, oh, I should have asked you to get me three. Mm -hmm. So I hope they weren't that expensive if he had to get three just to fill himself. It was seven eighty four for two meatball subs, a tuna on whole wheat, and two lemonades. I mean, that's an excellent price. Very good price. Yeah. Maybe he should have gotten three. Probably should have. We never even get to mm-hmm. see Utah eat his tuna sandwich either. Definitely a worse choice than the meatball sub. He's healthy. He takes the skin off chicken. He even got whole wheat. He also eats donuts. <laughs> and he eats like fried shrimp and french fries. the balance. <laughs> He's burning a lot of calories learning how to surf. That's true. So while all this is going on, while Utah is ordering the sandwiches, we see the car pull up in front of the bank, and just behind him, the ex-presidents run inside. 
amazing gag. And Utah turns around, he drops off the sandwiches back at the car, and we then see the ex-presidents run out and jump into their getaway car. So they spot them, and we get quite a chase that ensues here. This chase scene, I love. This is, this is an incredible chase scene. It was excessive in all the right ways. And I guess we can chat about the actual car portion, but the part that I'm really a big fan of is the land oh, portion. I'm, it's, I'm not even kidding. One of my favorite, like, I don't know how long this, probably like seven minute scenes in a movie ever. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, so first of all, Papas makes Johnny go and get these sandwiches and meanwhile is still just sitting there reading the comics. And in this this right here is the moment where all of a sudden I was on team every other FBI agent laughing at this <laughs> asshole. Okay? <laughs> so fair. It's one thing when they're both there, he wants to read the comics, Johnny's watching, it's fine. Make the young kid do the work. That's, I don't care about that. But as soon as you force him to go get you a goddamn sandwich, keep your eye on the prize, bro. You have literally, you have one job. Yeah. Yeah, this was, not only did he make someone else go get his lunch, slash brunch, meatball Sammy. Yeah, it was offensive how blatantly he wasn't watching. And of course... They, they show up right when Johnny's not looking. But, you know, he's spilling meatball sandwich. They're, they're driving after them. They're, they're trying to get back on track. Yeah, they're trying to catch them. And I think one thing we can chat about briefly from the car portion is that they the ex-presidents stop at a gas station because their car gets pretty messed up due to um, Pappas and Utah, like, ramming into them a bunch. So they need to get a new car. And they pull over they are able to like threaten the people at the gas station to get a new car, and then we see, we see. Well, it's gonna be Bodie, but anyway, I'm just gonna say Bodie. He takes the gas nozzle, sprays gasoline all over the old car, and also lights the gasoline on fire, turning the nozzle into a giant flamethrower. And it is so cool. <laughs> it looks unreal. And he burns this car for so long. And all the other guys are like, come on, come on, we got to go. And he's just still flaming this car. And it's like, there's already gasoline everywhere. The car is very flammable. You just need to light it a little bit. You're good. Yeah. And so just to back up a sec here. So the reason that they have time to stop at this gas station at all is because during the previous section of this chase scene, they go through some parking lot or, or something, and Johnny and Papas end up ramming into this toll booth uh, and, like, breaking their car. So they're kind of stuck mm -hmm. there. And then the ex-presidents, while they're trying to zoom out of here, drive over the wrong direction, and so they go straight through the tire spikes, and so they don't have any more tires on their car. So that's really mm -hmm. the real reason why they really have to just get a new car. Um, and so they've basically bought themselves some time because now Papas and Johnny don't have a car. But also, they probably didn't buy themselves that much time because the gas station is, like, literally, like, a block down the street. Yeah, and Johnny has gotten out of his car and starts running after them, so he catches up to the ex-presidents, and we get the the best foot chase ever at this point. 
where we have Bodie who starts running and they're in like a neighborhood. So there's a lot of different elements that we see during this chase that I have listed out here. We have a kiddie pool that they run through. We see some kids on bikes who have to like stop really fast so that they don't get in the middle of this chase scene. We have a garbage truck that we spot. We have a woman who's folding laundry. They break through her back door into her house and she like throws all her laundry at Bodie. And then later, you know, Keanu slash Johnny scares her again and she freaks out, which bad, bad day for that woman. And then we get my personal favorite, which is Bodie throws a dog at Johnny. Not just a dog, a yeah. full size pit bull. Just chucks it at his face. <laughs> Amazing. Mm-hmm. Incredible. It was very aggressive. <laughs> now, multiple points throughout this chase, I had to stop and say, like, damn, that cardio. Like, it just keeps it's a going. Long These scene. Are, this is a long run. It's incredibly bold to try to go into someone's house and to think that the door would actually be unlocked. You know, there's a lot of times where... He's going through people's homes and backyards. And I'm like, man, you keep getting really, really lucky with this. And uh, Bodie is also running in a mask, yeah. which must be incredibly difficult. And hot. Yeah. So yeah. that was the point that I was, he's in a suit. that was the point that I was actually going to bring up, which is mm-hmm. don't like if, if you haven't watched this movie and you're listening to this, don't imagine this as a chase scene between two guys in an action movie. Picture it as Keanu Reeves chasing a dude in a plastic Ronald Reagan face mask down the street, because that is what is happening. It is not a just a cop and a surfer, bro. It is Keanu Reeves chasing Ronald Reagan through mm-hmm. the suburbs of L.A. And like he, they're going through like little alleyways and stuff, and like the sides of people's houses, like. The whole thing, like, I have no clue how they were able to film this. It must have taken so long to film this one scene because there's so many different little things that they, like, weave through and so many things that happen. Like, it's it's truly an amazing scene. Very parkour. Very parkour. Mm-hmm. You can basically hear Bodhi yelling parkour while he does some of the stuff. Yes. So we get to the part where they jump off a bit of a higher ledge kind of down into almost like what, what was a ravine? So, Do you guys know what that area it's was? It's the place in Greece where they race the cars. So it, <laughs> yeah. So it, in LA uh, or in Southern California, they have these like weird like culverts and it's just like concrete kind of straight down and then angled down. And then there's like a flat part in the middle that may or may not have water in it basically Mm -hmm. like they're like giant storm drains i guess i'm not exactly sure what the real purpose is i'm sure it has something to do with the ocean Mm -hmm. water or something earthquakes probably because california so Bodhi jumps down successfully and johnny when he follows his old football knee injury acts up and he lands on his knee really hard and he can't keep going he kind of falls to the side and he realizes he can't keep chasing Bodhi. now Bodhi is climbing this fence to get away from him. And as we learned earlier, Johnny has an impeccable shot. And at this point, he could have shot and hit Bodhi. But they do a real close-up 
on Bodhi's eyes behind the mask as if to say that Johnny is like seeing his friend and not the man in the mask. And so he decides to just let him go. Yeah, he shoots his gun up into the air a bunch of times. And then later when uh, Pappas interrogates him about it, he says, I missed. And Pappas is like, you literally never miss. (laughs) Which is like a good compliment. So when all of this is happening, so when they, they jump down into this little like gully thing and Johnny lands and hurts his leg, he yells, oh no. And then I really like your Johnny voice. Proceeds to not shoot uh, Bodie, and then literally shoots his gun into the air, probably ten times. Like just unloads the whole clip into the air. Which I just want to say for the record, this is extremely bad gun safety. Like those bullets, they don't just go off into space and disappear. They go straight up. And then eventually they will come back down. <laughs> and they can actually hit and kill someone. <laughs> Whoa. Don't ever shoot your guns into the air. That is the PSA for this podcast. <laughs> All those gun owners yeah. who listen. You never know. He's, he's just frustrated, you know? Yeah, that's the one thing to take away from this movie. <laughs> but, like, you can still rob banks, do math, shoot at people. Throw, do- throw a pit bull at someone if, you're, if they're chasing you. <laughs> Yeah, but no shooting up. If you're shooting your gun, you're purposefully trying to hit something. If you miss that thing, you're using guns poorly. Well, Colin's talking Damn. so much game. He's, talk- he's talking like me when I talk about surfing. I mean, I'm not saying that, like, I'm a good shot. I'm just saying you never fire your gun without purpose. And if you're... Not good enough to handle a gun in a way where you can hit what you're aiming at, then you should really think if you should be firing that gun. I feel like this goes for police as well. I feel like we're getting lectured right now, so let's move on. <laughs> Neither of us have guns. have guns. It's gonna be okay. <laughs> we basically see that Johnny goes over to Tyler's house. And she's trying to, like, fix him up. She's trying to nurse him back to health. He tells her that he was in a hit-and-run accident. And he also says, I really need to tell you something. And he's like, oh, this is so much harder than I thought it would be. And she's like, oh, it's okay. You can tell me another time. Like, so she clearly thinks that he's in love with her. But we all know he really just needs to say, like, hey, I'm, I'm actually a cop. I didn't think that she thought he was going to say he's in love with her. What did you really? Think? What, what did you think? That? I don't know. I think she just like doesn't like hearing bad news and was just trying to push it off. Oh no! I... Like what? Whatever it is, like just tell me later. We already heard. You thought that she, he was going to be like, I have a really bad credit score or something like. <laughs> no, I thought he was going to be like your best friend slash ex boyfriend is a like robber. <laughs> And I'm an FBI agent, and I've been lying to you. Yeah, but, like, the- what, like, so, okay. So, I will say that I also got the vibe that she was, like, assumed that he was going to say that he loved her. Also, it becomes definitive or more definitive at the end of the movie. Yeah. We'll come back to that. But... I did not get that vibe. But I also wrote in my notes, Keanu, I always write Keanu in my notes, not Johnny, uh, wants to confess to his girlfriend. She's like, lol, you love me. It's okay. You don't need to say the words. 
bad read, lady. <laughs> Listen, Tyler's a great character here. She literally just wants to surf and, like, party with her friends. And, like, everyone around her is just a trash human. And she's just, like, totally normal. She just wants to work at the crab shack or whatever. and The crispy crab. Yeah, the crispy crab. <laughs> so, we see after that Bodhi and his friends are talking, basically being like, oh, fuck, we accidentally have befriended an FBI agent. He knows that we're robbing banks now. What the hell are we going to do? And a bunch of the crew is like, we need to just stop. Like, this is over. And then we get Bodhi's whole speech about how, you know, it was never about robbing the banks. It was never about the money. It's about the game. He loves the human spirit. And you kind of start seeing that Bodhi's really unraveling here and that he really is like a villain villain yeah Bodhi needed to just like go surfing you know (laughs) go meditate take 10 we'll revisit this in a week because he just like really went off yeah he he goes off the deep end they're gonna go rattle Johnny is kind of what we assume so they kind of leave and they're like we're gonna take care of it And then at the same time, we also see that Tyler has found Johnny's gun and his badge. And she fires a gun at his pillow, which, I mean, also clearly not gun safe. D, 101. Bad call. I think that would also probably deafen Johnny. That would not be good for him. But she freaks out and is like, can't believe you lied to me. You probably also lied about your parents. And he's like... You caught me. My parents are not dead. And then she (laughs) runs out of the room with her arms flailing. Okay, so there's a few things I want to talk about here. If you discover that someone you met a few weeks ago, to be frank, have hooked up with, like, once. Twice, at least. Okay, twice. If I found their FBI badge, I would think it is incredibly reasonable that they did not tell me that they are a part of the FBI and that they said, you know, I'm a lawyer or whatever it is. And I also don't know how she jumped to the conclusion of you're an FBI agent, which means you must have only been trying to see me because she doesn't know that her friends are robbers. So how would she come to the conclusion of you needed to get close to me for a case? Therefore, you lied to me to get close to me. So I don't understand how those correlate. I agree. We know that it's not, like, we know that she's right, but I I agree Mm -hmm. that it's a bit of a leap. Also, I want to play devil's advocate here. He never said he was a lawyer. He said that he went to law school, and they assumed that meant he was a lawyer. Mm -hmm. He just never said they were wrong. (laughs) Which he probably did go to law school. Like, he could have gone to law school. I also think if I found out someone I, like, was starting to see, like, I found out they were an FBI agent, I'd be like, damn, babe, nice. I know, I'd think that was pretty cool, but... Yeah, yeah, it'd be, like, a big positive. It wouldn't be, like, I'm gonna shoot up your pillow and yell at you. Because yeah. also, don't shoot up an yeah. FBI agent's pillow. Yeah, I was gonna say, do not fire your firearm yeah. at federal agents. Not a good point. Yeah. 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 So he he's very sad about this, and kind of right after Tyler has left... Bodie and his crew break into Johnny's place. And they're like, grab your stuff. We're leaving right now. We're going to go do a thing. And we see that Johnny isn't able to grab his gun because it's, like, just out of reach. So he doesn't have his gun with him. We know that they know he's an FBI agent. 
And they're just taking him away. And where do we go? We're going skydiving, baby. <laughs> wow. Did you see this coming, Meg? No, it's so <laughs> random. And I don't know how to say this, but it is not the only time they go skydiving. <laughs> like, that also was shocking. So, I don't know. I guess, like, they kind of grabbed him and didn't really give him a choice. But it would be terrifying to have these guys who you just finished chasing. They know who you are. You know who they are. They're like, come get into a plane with us. We're all going to go skydiving together. But I also don't know how you get out of that situation. Yeah. I mean, so like Johnny immediately is like, oh, they're definitely giving me a dud parachute. Like they're just going to kill me and make it look like an accident. So then they play goddamn musical chairs with these parachutes. I, through this entire thing, I was like, I'm pretty sure Johnny ended up back with the parachute he had to begin with. So after all of that, he maybe is going to die anyway. Now, something else, and maybe I missed it, but like they were wearing masks the whole time during the chase. And so while they know that Johnny is an FBI agent, they don't necessarily know that Johnny knows their identity. So it would be an insane coincidence like, I think they have to just assume this guy that shows up out of nowhere and then two weeks later is catching them at a bank robbery. Like, mm-hmm. there's no way that that's a coincidence. So I'm I, I think that they're, you know, smart enough to On figure to- it out. Yeah. <laughs> and Bodie is pretty smart, to be honest. So they go skydiving the whole time. It's like, OK, is Johnny's parachute going to open or did they give him? you know, a poorly packed one. We get some pretty crazy shots of them skydiving as well. Yeah, this was crazy. I was stressed the whole time waiting for him to pull the parachute. And somehow for someone who I'm assuming has never parachuted before, they're all doing these tricks, you know, they're like flying towards each other. They're holding hands in a circle. Like, I feel like that takes a lot more coordination than just going up. And who's flying the plane? So I think all of them have parachuted a bunch of times because, like, they talk about, like, oh, you don't want Bodie packing your chute. They have. I mean, Johnny. Oh, yeah. Also, it's, like, so sketchy. Like, I don't think you can just go parachuting, but I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. So, yeah, I mean, at most places, they won't let you go for the first time by yourself. Like, you you just, they won't let you. But before, you know, Johnny suddenly is a superstar skydiver... When he first jumps out of the plane, we once again get another Keanuism in his most, like, again, Bill and Ted's excellent adventure voice. I believe what he says when he first jumps out of the plane is, Shit! Whoa! <laughs> uh, and then, you know, as discussed, proceeds to be very good at this thing that he's never done before. I will say it's, like, very funny reading about how they made this movie. So, Patrick Swayze, like, got really into parachuting. Like, he was, like, very into skydiving. So, they ended up having to tell him, like, you need to stop skydiving because he was going so much that they were worried he was, like, actually going to get hurt. But so, he did, like, something like, I think, 50 or something jumps to film this. That's crazy. Yeah, but I would like to see the how they actually filmed this whole thing because it like looks really cool and like it's obvious when like Keanu didn't actually do the the skydiving stuff. But for everyone else, like some of the shots they have are wild. 
Yeah, they they're doing some crazy tricks. Also, I know that they obviously weren't this close to the ground, but both times they go parachuting, the the camera's showing that they're very close to the ground when they finally like you know, who's going to who's going to pull the parachute first? Who's going to be the chicken? And they must have been, as far as the shot goes, far too close to the ground for this parachute to do enough. Yeah, they. I think that the whole thing is, like, a really long time, too. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the actual scene, and it gets far too long for... They would die. Yeah, yeah, you can't be falling for that long. Yeah. It must have been they did multiple shots, and they just kept... They kept it going, because they're falling for a very long time. Yeah, but I like that Patrick Swayze was like, no, I'm doing the skydiving stuff. Like, I want to do it so bad. He actually convinced Gary Busey to go skydiving after the movie ended, too, which is pretty funny. But, yeah, if anyone listening, Keanu is, like, very into, like, stuntmen. Like, he's like, I'm not a stunt person. Like, I'm an actor. Stunt people are stunt people. So he, like, does not do any of his own stunts. He's very much like, I will act everything up to it, and then the stunt person does their job, because that's not my shit. Because he's, as said before, like, the most wholesome person in Hollywood. Like, he's just, it, like, he doesn't want to step on anyone's toes. It's not that he's like, oh, I'm... Like, it's not because he's, like, scared of this stuff. He's like, that's not my job. He's like, I'm not going to walk into a hospital and, like, start diagnosing random patients. He's like, there are people who are experts in that. Let them do it. That's what they're there for. So, I, I respect that. I feel like he's pretty good, too, at, like, doing the actual, like, physical acting, like, up to the stunt, too, which helps. But, anyway, enough about Keanu, I guess. So, we we end the skydiving. They're okay. Everyone's fine. Everyone's shoot opens. Then we come to find out this whole skydiving stunt was basically just a way to kill time. Bodie pulls Johnny into a van and shows him a video. They've taken Tyler hostage. And essentially, he says to him, like, okay, Rosie will kill Tyler if Bodie doesn't meet Rosie in six hours. And then he says, very iconic line, which is all I'm asking for is 90 seconds of your time. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was a really good line. Um, so mean, though. Bodie. Like, Tyler was your friend first. You've known her for way longer. Like, there are other ways you could have blackmailed him. Just saying, like, I'm going to kill you. Or doing something that didn't involve your actual friend. Yeah, it's so dark. And, like, this really... I think that the whole point, too, is that, like, this really makes Bodie be, like, evil, you know? Because, like, up to this point, it's kind of like, whatever. They're just robbing banks. Like, they haven't actually hurt anyone. But then now that it's, like, at this level where Bodie's, like, we're kidnapping Tyler. Like, we're going to make you rob a bank with us. Like, I feel like it just really makes you really turn on Bodie. Also, like, he's putting a lot of faith in the fact that Johnny actually does give a shit about Tyler. Like, mm-hmm. there is a non-zero chance that that was also just part of his cover. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, it, it, it's... I feel like it's a gamble. Not, I mean, like, he's still, he's a cop, so he's, like, not gonna just, like, want this innocent person to die. But, like, you know, he might not have that, like, actual personal drive that he clearly actually does have for this woman. Yeah, I would also question if they would actually kill Tyler. I would, if I was Johnny, think, like, this is a show and probably not be that concerned. I'd be like, this is a good friend of yours. 
in all the robberies you've done because he knows their case. He knows that they haven't killed anyone. He doesn't, he's never seen Bodhi like try to try to assault anyone like that in like a, I'm going to kill you way. So I'd probably think that like, I would just say like, try to call their bluff, you know what you want to add murder onto your bank heist charges. Cause that's a whole, that's a whole other ball game. I feel like though, Bodie does make a point to say, like, oh, I can't handle all of, like, this, like, murdery, dirty stuff. That's why I have, like, Rosie's on here. And Rosie will just gut her like a pig or whatever. Like, I think that's kind of his whole thing is he's like, well, I would never kill someone. But Rosie, he's crazy. And maybe Rosie is fucking crazy. He seems like he is. I also love Keanu Reeves going, Bodie, I am an FBI agent. Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> Such was... a good line read. Yeah, that was really good. So we see them. They're going to go rob this new bank, but they change some stuff up. First of all, Johnny does not get a mask. So he's not even like really part of the crew, which is kind of a bummer. It's like, come on. You couldn't have at least given him something. But, you know, whatever. So they go into the bank. And Bodhi makes a game time decision. They're actually going to go into the vault this time, which is totally different from what they normally do. They normally never go to the vault. Yeah. So first of all, Johnny doesn't get a mask because it's a you're on candid camera moment where they need him on the security footage because they're trying to ruin his life. They also make a point of showing that they take all the shells out of the shotgun that they hand him. And then Bodhi makes some big spiel about how you just need to instill fear in people and that's how you get power and all this stuff. And it's like, are you talking about robbing the banks or are you trying to act like you're intimidating me right now? I don't know. But anyway, um, so, you know, Johnny's in this bank standing there with his dick in his hand, like being like, stay down people while he's got like an empty shotgun and no mask, which is like very clearly makes it like, hey, I'm not part of this crew. Like, why would they let him be there with no mask if he was actually part of this crew? Which I think is a fundamental flaw in this, you know, ruin Johnny's life part of the plan. Yeah, I think the move is to make him wear a mask that someone else typically wears and then not let him get in the getaway car. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And so when they're actually in the bank too, we see that there's an undercover cop who starts trying to signal to the security guard being like, hey, I'm a cop. Like, if I start shooting, like, will you cover me? And the cop is like, fuck no, (laughs) which is the right call. Like, all of this stuff is insured. Like, why are you gonna, why are you gonna start some shit? So this hero cop, he whips out his gun and this just completely ruins everything. Everything goes totally haywire. Um, The cop gets shot and killed. Johnny gets shot, but he's wearing a bulletproof vest. And one of the surfing goons also gets shot okay break here we just talked about how they didn't give johnny a mask they emptied his shotgun why did they give him a bulletproof vest isn't like best case scenario that he dies in the middle of this robbery i think they like the idea of him having to go to jail though for their crime and like if he's wearing a bulletproof vest then it's like he didn't have a mask but he's got the vest i don't know I guess. I don't know. I think that their problems would have been more solved if they just let him die here. Yeah, definitely. I was wondering if they had given him the vest or if he, yeah, he was wearing it from them. 
No, yeah, they showed when he, when they were in the van going to the robbery, they show uh, Bodhi hand him the vest and him put it on while Bodhi's like giving him the spiel about instilling fear in people. So it wasn't just he was wearing one. Yeah, that doesn't really seem to make sense. Yeah, and so Johnny gets pistol whipped um, when they're leaving the bank. So he's just lying there unconscious when the cops show up. And at that point, he gets put under arrest and... Pappas is able to convince Harp, like, hey, let me drive him to the police station. Like, don't drive him in with everyone else. And Harp braids him again and is like, you guys are both fuck-ups, whatever. Pappas punches Harp in the face, which is 10 out of 10. Love to see it. And he grabs Johnny and starts driving him away. And he's like, hey, I know exactly where they're going. They're going to Santa Monica Airport. Let's go take these fuckers down. Yeah, like, you guys know that he's an FBI agent. You know he's been undercover with them. He's not wearing a mask. I feel like it's clear as day that he's not actually a part of the team. And you also see that he's been, like, beat up. He has no bullets in the gun. Like, I feel like just the footage would prove that he's not a part of it. Yeah, I think the main problem is that because people died, he is an accessory to murder. Like, yeah, they would go through all of that stuff after, and, like, he would definitely get off because we all know that white police officers don't get in trouble for anything. But he, like, was still there. And so they have to at least be like, we're, you know, checking this out because it also wouldn't be the first time that an undercover officer went too deep undercover and became that person that they were pretending to be. But I also don't think he would have actually gotten in trouble. I think they would have just taken him to the station, taking taken his statement and been like, yeah, okay, that probably checks out. That's fine. But we only have six hours. We got to save Tyler. So that can't happen. So we got Papas drives him to the airport and we see Johnny pulls right up onto the tarmac and basically starts talking to Bodhi and saying like, hey, listen, like it's over. People are dead. Like, just let Tyler go. Meanwhile, we have Pappas, who's hiding out on the tarmac as well. And we hear that Roach is somewhere, but we don't know where. Roach is apparently in the bathroom. He comes out from the bathroom, and he ends up basically right behind where Pappas is. So he pulls out his gun and shoots Pappas, which was unexpected the first time I watched this movie. Pappas shoots Roach right back. Yeah, so right before this shooting happens, I agree, I did not expect Papas to be taken out here. But when Johnny approaches, he is like, you know, yelling at them. And he says, they have something called radar. Ever heard of it? Uh, as if like that was like, gotcha, sucka. And that was going to somehow convince them to not try and leave the airport. <laughs> but uh, obviously that doesn't do anything. Um, and so this shooting starts, yeah, and so uh, Pappas gets shot, he shoots back, everybody's shooting everybody. Um, Johnny doesn't have a gun, as he so diligently showed before. Yeah, Pappas unfortunately gets killed here. I was shocked. I was not expecting Pappas to die. I was so sad. I really wanted him to, like, catch the criminals he's been hunting down for years, and everyone's been making fun of him for it. So I thought that this was a really glum ending for our friend yeah it's it's such a bummer and with roach like bleeding out basically Bodie grabs him and drags him onto the plane and johnny also gets on the plane with them he's yeah. like yeah 
got to go make sure that Tyler's okay. Yeah, he really wants to make sure Tyler's okay. He also, if anyone is wondering, why doesn't he just kill Bodie? Bodie has to meet Rosie, or else Rosie has been instructed to kill Tyler. So basically, Johnny needs to be with Bodie meeting up with Rosie at the same time. So he claims. That's what he claims. I would be skeptical. Yeah, and so at this point, out of our crew, the only people left are Bodie, Roach, who's like in the process of bleeding a lot, and then Rosie, who's out somewhere that we don't know yet with Tyler. And I want to just say that when Pappas dies here, he lets out the like loudest, like weirdest death wail ever. Like, not like he's like screaming, like, uh, but he's just like, <sighs> It's like, it sounded like he was going to say something. I thought he was going to have like a final word, but he just, he just like makes a weird noise. Yeah. He just exhales for like 30 seconds and he's dead. He's dead. R.I.P. He should have just gone home. (laughs) (laughs) They need to save Tyler, Megan. I feel like maybe the move, because as they said, they have radar, is to just go and say like, we have the identity of the person. We know where they are. This is the plane they're getting on. Let's get back up. Let's have people ready on the other end to go and help this person. Yeah, I think part of it is that, like, I think Johnny just can't handle, like, not being right there to make sure that Tyler's going to be okay, right? Like, be on his conscience if something happened. I don't know. I really believe in this love story for whatever reason, (laughs) even though I have no reason to. This terrible, terrible love story. Listen... Surfing really brings people together, okay? (laughs) None of my friends wanted to come surfing with me, but maybe we could have had this relationship too, you guys. Maybe I would jump out of plane. It was expensive. Maybe I would jump out of plane for both of you if if you would come surfing with me. I mean, we were already engaged, so I don't feel like I needed to win your heart over surfing, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe you guys could have been closer than ever. (laughs) Could have been double engaged. Whoa. Listen, I don't know if I'm jumping out of plane. That's very stressful. We haven't even gotten there yet. Yeah, so skydiving number two. Yes, yeah, so we're, we're on the plane. The plan is basically that Bodie and Roach are going to get dropped off somewhere over in Mexico. Obviously, they're going to skydive out of the plane <laughs> to meet up with Rosie. So they are packing up the chutes. Roach is, like, very clearly dying. He's bleeding, like, a lot. But for whatever reason, Bodhi still, like, gets him dressed and is like, it's gonna be okay, like, you're gonna make it. Still gives him the, sh- the shoot and everything. And straps Bodhi a bag of money to him. Straps a bag of money to him as well. He just wants the money to, to get down onto the ground. Exactly. Bodhi tosses his shoot on too, but, you know, sorry. Sorry, Johnny. No shoot for you. Yeah, so he chucks his gun into the cabin before he jumps off and i'm wondering like was the plan that he and the pilot were just gonna hang out like i don't know why if you're gonna bring him up here why not like use the gun kill him chuck him out or force him to get out without a parachute i don't know you're gonna be a baddie I feel like Bodie also likes Johnny. Like, I don't think he... I, like, yeah, he knows he's a cop and he's been, like, chasing them. But Bodie's, like, really getting off on the whole, like, adrenaline rush of this whole thing. And I think that he likes pissing off Johnny more than 
he actually wants to get away. Like, that's that's really what ends up getting him caught, right? Is that he doesn't kill Johnny. And when he says the line, like, you, I know you want to catch me so bad. Like, I feel like he's just negging Johnny, basically. And if he kills Johnny, that's, like, his main source of fun. Yeah. I mean, his entire character is just an adrenaline junkie. Like, he you know, does all the surfing stuff. He wants to surf the biggest wave on the history of the planet. Uh, It does all the skydiving, the bank robberies, all of it's just adrenaline. And when you're an adrenaline junkie super criminal, what is the most, like, adrenaline pumping thing? And it's, you know, the thrill of the chase, but in this case being chased. Uh, And so he's just like, you know what? I'm gonna let you live you can keep coming after me. I'm going to keep running and we'll just keep this keep this high going. I think like aside from that, the thing about this scene that shocked me the most, or not even shocked me, but just like took me aback a little was seeing him, you know, he does all the things with Roach, puts on the the shoot and like attaches the money to him, literally just kicks him out of the plane. <laughs> yeah. Like just like whoop. And Roach even, like, makes a noise. He's like, ah! He's even like, whoop! <laughs> Just chucks him out. And then Bodhi jumps out, and Johnny has this moment where he's, like, freaking out. He's, like, punching himself. He's, like, so mad that Bodhi jumped out the plane. And then he grabs the gun, and honestly, this is, like, one of the wildest things we've definitely seen in any of these movies. He jumps out of the plane with no parachute on. Yeah. With the gun. He's just like, ah, fuck it, and just jumps out. This is... (laughs) This is crazy. Incredible. (laughs) Yeah. Now, I would be very concerned that as soon as you jump, the gun would, like, whip out of your hand. So I feel like I'd be hugging it, and he's just, like, arms stretched out, diving down, holding the gun pretty loose. Now, I feel like the move, because, like, you kind of know roaches not with us anymore i feel like the move is to go for roach and snag his parachute oh yeah but instead he goes for bodhi grabs him bodhi was closer it's true bodhi was closer it might be easier to get to bodhi too because bodhi's like controlling his body versus roach is just like dead weight so maybe roach is falling faster too i mean roach is definitely still alive here because he manages to pull his parachute he does pull his shoe so he's not dead yet he doesn't just splatter on the ground Mm -hmm. um but yeah so this is all happening and what you said about the gun flying out of your hand is i'm pretty sure why bodhi chucks it back into the plane because he's Mm -hmm. like this thing's just gonna fly out of me probably Mm -hmm. bang me in the head and then i'll die um but yeah johnny doesn't give a fuck because he's johnny and i just want to say something stepping out of the movie here for a second so you know you're skydiving uh there's a lot of wind air fills stuff up And I don't know if either of you noticed this, but I noticed something, and I'm not 100% sure, but I'm fairly certain, uh, just because of how this whole thing's going down. They have Johnny wearing, like, a button-down shirt, and so it kind of fills up with air, and there's, like, a big part of the shirt behind him, and the way that it looks, there was definitely a parachute under his shirt. Oh, probably. Yeah, that would make sense for how they filmed it. Yeah, so the stunt guy is not jumping out of the plane without a shoot, but they're making use of the fact that his shirt is, like, billowing with air to disguise the fact that there's a shoot under there. And presumably this shirt is some kind of tearaway, so you could just uh, rip it off and pull the shoot. But I thought it was very clever. 
That makes sense. Yeah, that is really clever. I probably assumed that they didn't actually jump out of a plane for this and it was at one of like those skydiving facilities or they would like edit it out. They definitely jumped out of a plane for this. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Because I think I was reading a thing talking about how uh, Keanu Reeves did do this jumping. Like he jumped out of the plane for, for this part. But it wasn't like him doing the thing like trying to grab onto Bodhi or whatever. It was just but him like, jumping. But he, he did actually jump out of the plane. That's so scary to have to jump out of a plane and then do something to cause you to live. Like you need to then be able to pull your parachute. And that sounds like a really simple action. But what if, like, you panic and have a panic attack or you black out because you get so nervous? Like, I would want to be that person strapped to someone else. So I was actually just going to ask that. I was like, is it better to have to pull your own shoot and have the decision as to when that shoot pull happens or to just be strapped to someone else and your life is in their hands, even if they are a trained professional? Yeah, I feel like you're assuming that they do this a ton and can actually gauge. Because I think something else that I was wondering, because I've never been skydiving before. And when you look at how fast the the ground is coming towards you, like, I wouldn't be able to tell until you're, like, there, you know? I wouldn't be able to tell what's You have the little, if you see the little, like, dial that Bodhi's wearing, they have, like, a little thing that says, like, how close you are to the ground and, like, when you need to pull it. Yeah, so, it, it, yeah, it's an altimeter. Uh, it just literally tells you how high off the ground you are, like, what altitude you're at. Um, and there actually is a throwaway line um, when he and Roach are, like, getting ready here about, like, oh, did you set the altimeters to 1,000 feet or 2,000 feet or whatever, um, which is basically, like, you know, when they wanted to pull their shoots. So now there are two things that I would have to I'd have to, like, read a watch... comprehend what the watch says and pull a parachute i feel like i would not enjoy myself because like you want to be looking around and i'd just be like staring at the watch the whole time so like (laughs) you can pull your chute early the main issue is that it's gonna take a long ass time to get to the ground and also you probably wouldn't land in the right spot yes and you won't land where you want it to I would want to pull it like immediately (laughs) like i'm all about that slow fall cruising three days later yeah reaches the ground yeah i like swings i don't like straight falls so we're in the air johnny is able to make his way over to bodie he grabs onto him and he's holding the gun and bodie's like you can shoot me but that means you're not gonna be able to pull the parachute so if you kill me we're both gonna die It's less that if you kill me, you can't pull the parachute. It's that Johnny wanted to keep the gun in his hand, point it at Bodhi's head, and hold on to Bodhi with the other hand. And Bodhi's like, I'm not going to pull the parachute. I don't care if we die. So you're going to have to drop the gun so that you have a hand to pull the parachute with. Um, And so they play this, like, macho game of chicken for the second time. (laughs) And guess what? As is tradition in this movie, Johnny loses. <laughs> and he chucks the gun and pulls the chute. And then they smash into the ground, and they probably would have both broken their entire legs, like shattered their legs. Mm-hmm. This movie is really about male egos. Most of these issues, really, that's what 
what happens here. But yeah, they do make it down to the bottom. Roach is very dead when he gets to the ground, but he did ma- be- he did pull his shoot at least. Yeah, there's like all the money. He was just had one of the duffel bags of money, which somehow came open in the process. And there's just bills blowing through the desert wind. Yeah, I feel like you'd probably go and grab that money if you're going to make him go all the way here. But Bodhi just like runs over to meet Rosie. And we have Tyler running back to meet Johnny. Yeah, and they, they have a nice little hug situation. We get the call back to the earlier line where Tyler's like, I have to tell you something. And Johnny's like, oh, you can, you can wait till later. Yeah. So this is where they're basically confirming that she thought that he was going to say that he loved her. Uh, either that or she had something else to say that we just have no idea what it was, which maybe <laughs> she has a secret identity, too. And I she fucked was just, Rosie. Yeah. Whoa. Who knows? Um, maybe it's just a weird bondage fantasy. We'll never know. Oh, no. Um, I've kissed my mother on the mouth. <laughs> I'm a mouth kisser. Dear Lord, no. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then uh, Bodhi and uh, Rosie, as they're going to drive away, they do go and stop over at Roach and grab the bag of money, but they don't make a point of picking up all the bills that have been blowing around in the wind. So I presumably, mean, they're still most it's still mostly mm-hmm. in the bag. And they have yeah. a lot of money already, so they're, they're going to be fine. Yeah, because they hit the vaults this time. They did hit the vault. Yeah. Was it worth most of your friends dying? Yes, because now they have more money. They don't have to split it as many ways. It's true. So we then get our final scene. And we see Johnny, and he is in Australia now. And it is storming out. It's like crazy rains. And he heads out to this beach. And he sees all these people with surfboards. They're coming in from the beach saying, like, no one's out there, man. This is like the worst storm we've ever seen. And Johnny walks down to the beach, who's standing there all by his lonesome. But of course, Bodhi. And how does he approach Brody? He walks up behind him, chucks a Ronald Reagan mask onto the ground, and says, Lose something, brah? <laughs> how else would he approach him? <laughs> Have you just been carrying that with you everywhere? How did you even get the mask? I don't know. I have a lot of questions about was that line worth it? 100%. And this, this is like the next year. So he's probably been working on that that line all year. He's like, I know exactly what I'm going to do when I find this asshole. I mean, it's like being in the, when you're like in an argument and then the next day in the shower, you think of the thing you want to say. That's been Johnny for the past year. Now, they do describe how Johnny's been following Bodhi to multiple locations and how he was like, just right on his tail and almost caught him at different points. And it's this is just making me wonder, has he been carrying the mask the whole time, <laughs> hoping to throw it in front of him? Because it's a big mask. It's kind of cumbersome. It's not going to fit in a pocket. Like, you have to hold it or carry a backpack or something just for it. <laughs> I love that image, though, that he's just, like, got a, he has, like, an attache just with the mask in it. And every time he, like, sees a guy who looks kind of like Bodhi, he, like, walks up. And he's, like, ready to pull it out. And then he's, like, oh, fuck, it's not him. (laughs) Is there another item that's easier to carry that would have the same impact? Some sex wax. (laughs) Sex wax would be good. It's the implication. 
could he have like cut a chunk of the mask off, like just the face part? Can roll I should have just smaller. been carrying around like Roach's thumb or something. Whoa, Whoa. that's dark. <laughs> Maybe one of the the bills that that he left behind. You just throw a dollar in front of him, being like, "You forgot this." Like a parachute. Yeah. I mean, he maybe found his gun in the desert. Mm-hmm. Be like, lose something. Although that's a pain in the ass to like fly around the world with a handgun. I mean, he's an FBI agent, so it's fine. But yeah, so we get we get a little back and forth here, and they get into a little bit of a scuffle as well. But Bodhi ends up. Actually, also kissing, kicking Johnny Utah's ass, but then Johnny's Whoa. able to slap <laughs> and kiss. I, I heard kissing, full mouth, <laughs> mouth to ass kissing. Um, they get into a scuffle, and Johnny ends up kind of losing this fight. But then he's able to slap a handcuff on Bodie's wrist. Now I don't know how Bodie's holding because this fight occurs in the water. So it kind of ends with Bodie. It looks like he's choking Johnny under the water and you see him almost stop struggling. So somehow he puts handcuffs or Johnny puts handcuffs on Bodie and himself. And then he just lets him up and is like, damn it, I'm handcuffed to you now. And you have the key. It's like, we'll just keep holding him underwater (laughs) and then take the key from him. So I think the way that this went down is that, as you said, Johnny stopped struggling, but I think that was an act. Like, I think he, like, just, yeah. like, went dead, like, pretending like he fell unconscious or died. Uh, and then as soon as Bodhi, like, kind of released the grip, then he grabbed his hand and slapped the handcuffs on. And, like, while I agree that maybe you could just kill him and, like, find the key, if Johnny was actually thinking ahead here uh, and trying to deal with this then he maybe didn't even have the key on him, you know? Like, maybe he left it in his car or whatever. Well, if you're Bodhi, you have to assume there's going to be other cops. Like, Johnny isn't coming alone to catch you, right? But, like, the ideal ending of this would be that they are now forced to go tandem surfing to ride the biggest wave, right? (laughs) That's how it should So romantic. Yeah, so Johnny and Bodhi are handcuffed together and Bodhi's like come on man you know that I'm not gonna make it in a cage and he basically pleads with Johnny to just let him you know surf this one last giant wave and Johnny's like all right fuck it I don't care and he unlocks he unlocks the cuffs he gives in very quickly and I guess partially because all the FBI agents are now running down the beach and they're in helicopters and they're all surrounding uh Bodhi so he kind of has to make a quick decision but I feel like, you know, when, when you're under pressure, like, it's easier to just make no decision and just do exactly, like, the situation how it is. So the fact that he's like, all right, you've convinced me, just go. It's like... Well, so, here's the thing. This isn't like a, oh, man, yeah, you deserve this, like, last hurrah. It's, you know what? No, I don't want you to go to jail. I want you to die in this goddamn storm right now because there's no way that you're going to survive trying to surf in this, like, torrential downpour with 50-foot waves. Yeah, and as discussed, or as Bodhi states, there's cliffs on each side. Like, he's not going to be able to go anywhere. So 
It's like whatever. And I feel like Johnny's just so done with Bodie's shit. Like he probably doesn't even want to like go to court over this. He's just like, all right, fuck you, man. When he, well, he actually says, vio con Dios, but. I feel like this kind of opens it up that if they ever wanted to do a point break too, they just like zoom into the cliff and have him climbing up it. <laughs> being like, fucking idiot. <laughs> hey, there was one picture in his house where he was climbing a rock cliff. So. Yeah, he's a rock climber. <laughs> Catherine Bigelow planned this. She thought about it. It's like, I'm just going to hold my breath by these rocks for a little while. Hide <laughs> out. Yeah, and then in this moment, Johnny's like, looks down at his badge and then just chucks it in the ocean. He's done being an FBI agent. Yeah, I mean, the Australian policemen come up and they're like, <laughs> I'm not going to do an Australian accent, but they're like, ah, what's this guy doing? And and they're like, oh, we'll get him when he comes in. And as Johnny's walking away, he's like, oh, he's not coming back. And I get that it's symbolism, but just throwing your badge away does not mean you've quit your job. <laughs> like, you need to have a follow-up call and a sit-down explaining that you no longer want to be there. And also, if he's been going around the world, he's in Australia, chasing Bodhi around, we got no conclusion on what's happening with him and Tyler. Are you still together? What, what are your future plans? What job do you plan on doing if you're not an agent? Is it because you're terrible at fighting? What? <laughs> he's really bad at fighting. Oh, we did skip something that's kind of important, too, where Bodhi's like, oh, are you still surfing? And Johnny's like, every day, which I feel like is a very important part of the movie and why there's so much surfing in the movie, because, like, Johnny actually ends up really loving surfing and continues to do it. Maybe he's gone pro. <laughs> Maybe that's what he's doing now. Who knows? It's hard to say. Mm-hmm. And that was Point Break. That's Point Break. Cut to black, cue epic guitar riff, just to make it still feel a little 80s, and great ending. A great movie. Kelly, uh, of your favorite movies, where does this rank? What number? I don't know if I can, like, rank them all off the top of my head, but I would probably put it in, like, the top 10 to 15. I don't think it's in my top five, but it's up there. If Colin ever needs a present idea, is something related to Point Break a good idea? 100%. Yeah. Buy me a surfboard. I was going to say, I'm trying to think of like what, like, a Ronald Reagan mask there could be. I'm like, yeah, uh -oh. I'm coming up with like, yeah, like ex president's masks. Uh, She's brushing her teeth. You like throw it down in the sink in front of her and be like, I've been looking you down. Um, yeah, a surfboard thing of, Sex wax. A velvet dress. So where did the be? Oh, nice velvet dress would be good. Yeah, it's... it's Okay, part, a lot of the reasons why I love this movie... One, I think that, as we discussed, like, everything in this movie kind of has a purpose, which I, I think is really effective. I love the fact that it's basically just Catherine Bigelow being like, I'm gonna film all these hot guys and objectify the fuck out of them instead of it being like, we're gonna objectify women. I love that Johnny gets beat up by a naked woman. Um, just an unreal scene. I just think that it's it's so much fun and there's a lot of humor in it too. Overall, it's just a very, very good movie. Yeah, I do like... If I didn't know that this movie was, like, directed by a woman, I would not have guessed that it was. Um, mainly because there are, 
aren't really like there there is a there are strong female characters but every single one of them is also objectified um and the one who is the strongest most independent still ends up being the damsel in distress character which i feel like i mean in the early 90s like it's not surprising in any way um but i feel like these days they probably could have done something a little bit better in terms of female representation like even the fbi agents were all like ooh sexy like blah 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 you know yeah i don't feel like they're they really objectified the men like they were wearing jeans on the beach you know they had these full body suits on like whereas you had these naked women in the shower that the guys are ogling and then they're forced to fight them the men uh, naked. Like, they didn't do that to any of the guys. I didn't feel like the men were objectified. They have, like, literally the first shot is, like, Keanu Reeves in the rain, like, in slow-mo shooting guns. Like, I feel like there's a lot of, like, sexy men shots and just, like, a lot of, like, slow-mo men surfing. So now we know what you <laughs> like. You're like, man, this is the best film ever. And whereas I didn't even notice that they were sexy in those scenes. I was like, what man? <laughs> Tell me oh, what man. Everyone. <laughs> Everyone except for Gary Busey. <laughs> the sexy Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> but yeah, I just think it's a very fun movie. Yeah, it was very fun. Like, I like how the action really ramped up for the second half. Because, you know, it's it's a long movie. It's a little over two hours. And so to keep that pace when, you know, it, it's a very simple idea. They're They're surfing bank robbers. Like, there are a lot of tropes in it, but they're able to, like really capture your interest and keep you watching and keep you excited and keep you guessing even when they kind of lay it all out for you. But when they went skydiving a second time and Keanu jumped out of the plane again with a gun, I was shocked. <laughs> I did not expect that. So good. Yeah. I mean, I agree with all of that. Like it's a, it is a very fun movie, super entertaining, good use of, you know, foreshadowing, as you said, like they, tell you exactly what's going on but also like it's still like it's it's in some ways both predictable and not uh as a result of that and then you know just the most incredible one-liners throughout the entire thing like just so many great lines some of which are excellent writing in the script and some of which i think are just keanu reeves yelling things in a kind of dumb surfer bro voice which i will listen to any day of the week so yeah, it's endlessly quotable. And now you guys have something new to bond over. <laughs> yes. It'll be a tradition. Every year on our anniversary, we'll watch Point Break. <laughs> this is like my comfort movie. Like when I'm sad, I'm, I want to watch Point Break or Rocket Man. And I guess the only other question is, uh, what movie are we watching next? So I told Colin that I thought he should pick, but he didn't love that idea. But we did come up with a couple options, so... Yeah, so I think technically you guys generally kind of try and alternate. Um, and so we have a couple options, and you get to pick which one. Uh, and so the first option is National Treasure. <laughs> Some sweet Nick Cage action. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember what the other thing we said was. The Mummy with Brendan Fraser. That's the one. Okay, I saw The Mummy when I was really little, 
and maybe it'll turn out that I wasn't that little based on the year it came out. Whenever it actually came out, I went to see it in theaters and was very spooked. Because of all, I think, and I only vaguely remember this, but I think that there's a lot of beetles climbing out of things. Yeah. I think there's so, yeah. A lot of yeah. scared beetles. I didn't love that. <laughs> I didn't love the beetles. I, I think I also have not watched it in many years, and I've never seen National Treasure. So, let's do National Treasure. Oh, man. We're going to get in the cage with Nick Cage. Yeah, let's get in the cage. So, three actors that I love. Keanu Reeves, Nick Cage, and Brendan Fraser. So, you couldn't go wrong with either of those picks. I love both of those movies. And, yeah, I'm excited to hear you guys talk. Yeah, we'll have to do... uh, We'll have to get into the Renaissance another day. (laughs) Next time. Next time. I feel like uh, we also... Maybe this means we don't have to watch The Fast and the Furious because you said it's the same movie, but maybe it means we have to watch it. I'm not sure. I think you have to watch it uh, because over the course of you guys creating this podcast, like there's a lot of content to discuss about the evolution of The Fast and the Furious. It's actually the 20th anniversary of The Fast and the Furious this year. Well, yeah. yeah. Watching, I have seen none of it. <laughs> watching that first Fast and the Furious movie is a trip. Uh, especially if you, like, have watched any of the recent ones at all. Going back and watching the, like, first one, it's wild. It is the most, like, early 2000s thing I have ever watched. This is a discussion for when we watch it, I guess. <laughs> Which is not next week. That's it for Point Break. Next time, we're going to watch National Treasure. If you want to watch with us and you're in Canada, we think it's on Disney Plus and we think it's on Prime. So catch it there. Uh, Colin says he has nothing to plug. You can follow him on Twitter at... Uh, Colin A. Ashworth 1. It's a great <laughs> I, Twitter handle. I don't think he tweets, but if you want to follow him there, why not? You can follow me at Kelly W. Megan at Megan Bianco. I'll put our follows in the show notes. Please rate and review the podcast if you get a chance. That would be rad. And thanks so much for listening. And follow the podcast at Explosions Pod. Yes. Please do that too. Bye. Bye. Bye.